0: I'm not afraid of
1: Welcome to episode 18 of Zapped to the Past. I am Adrian Mills, and I'm joined as always by Graham Raddings. If you haven't listened before, this is a podcast where we discuss games that were released for the Commodore 64. Last week, we looked at our first batch of games that were reviewed in issue 9 of Zapped 64, which we are in no way affiliated with, and we were flabbergasted at the dullness of Fighting Warrior, roused by the enjoyable robbing of the wood, and challenged by the oral horror. Of Chimera. In episode 18, which covers the wet and rather sunny month of January 1986, we're going to be concluding our look at the games reviewed in issue 9 of Zap 64, along with what was going on at the cinema and on TV that month. Graham, tell us exactly what we have coming up.
0: Wow, in this massive multi-pack of an episode, we get all zoomy, lefty and righty with Ballblazer, get bounced around with the Underworld, and get full-on myth with Emotep. Mm-hmm. The Thunderbirds drop by for a puzzling cup of tea, Dynamite Dan bemuses us with random nonsense, and we explore a game based on a dinner plate. Yep. We also return to base immediately with Last V8, and wish our cars would fly off the track with Scale Electric. It's a whole lot of crazy. Awesome stuff.
1: Let's not waste any time then, and let's crack on with our first game. It's the second of this issue's games by Lucasfilm, and that game is very different to Cronus Rift. Very different indeed. And that game is Ballblazer. 98% but only a sizzler. I don't get it. I don't get, get it. That. that was weird. I don't get it. What are you doing, Zap? I don't understand. <laughs> we
0: don't get it. What's going on? Make your so mind up. Don't, confu- don't confuse us. <laughs> no, we do- We need not your confusion.
1: Is it a gold medal or not? You say it's a... That's nah, just what? Don't know. Anyway, right. 98% <laughs>
0: ball blazer. Graham, ball blazer. Tell us about blazing balls. It's meant to be kind of a weird sports game of the future, isn't it? Kind of a mixture of, uh, I want to say football and kind of basketball, but in that kind of 3D style. So it's kind of presented on a uh, zooming backwards and forwards kind of effect grid. So it gives it that kind of 3D effect, a successful way of doing that effect for the first time, not Mm -hmm. lots of stroboscopic raster bars, which sounds like something you'd find in (laughs) Jamaica. You don't find (laughs) stroboscopic raster bars in Jamaica, (laughs) Um, but that kind of rastery (laughs) effect. But this has kind of got the formula right. So instead of it being that kind of just endless sort of zoomy effect, You've got like a, a grid that's sort of an angle, a perspective grid that kind of zooms backwards and forwards as you fly your craft, which is a roto foil. It is, yes. And you can, you can either control it one player and play a computer droid robot player. I think it's 10 levels of difficulty, so it, you know it gets quite hard. So you can be human versus human, human versus droid, and droid versus droid if you really want to just sit there and watch that play out. Why you might want to do that, I don't know. So the object of the game is to score points by either getting the ball into the goal area, or carrying it in, so you can sort of a bit, kind of a mishmash of. It felt a bit like if it was a sort of almost like a first-person version of Speedball, but without some of the players, extra players. So it's all in that checkerboard sort of play area. It's fast. It sort of zooms backwards and forwards. It's clever. 3D. This. It's a very it's a clever 3D effect, especially considering this is two two-player and it runs at a click, even in two players. Yeah, split screen, isn't it? Yeah, split screen two-player. So um it's colourful. It's good fun. Um, you just got to go with it a bit. The premise is kind of it's a sports. It's a game. I can imagine this would be a massive hit on mobile right now. This kind of game, something like that. Those kind of for geometry battle type games. There's quite a lot of those on the on the Apple Arcade and things like that. So it's, it's like that. If you go with it and go with the tech of it and go with that kind of gameplay, it's, there's a lot to play at. And two-player, I can imagine it being quite good fun. One player, I, I I enjoyed playing it for a little bit. I have to be honest, these kind of games aren't always my cup of tea. I don't quite see how it got 98%. I wouldn't say it was that close to 100% perfect. It's it's good, and it's good fun, but you've got to kind of go with the whole 3 d of it. It is different, though, and that is something that I, I found quite refreshing. It's, it's a very different-looking feel game, and... I just felt, and it could just be because I'm 40 odd. I start to get me disoriented with all the zooming and the, zooming around and the left-in and the right-in and the playing and I was a bit but, you know, I sat, my eyes had to get a bit flickery <laughs> and that could just well, be the, you know, technical I <laughs> term,
1: <laughs> the technical terms there, the left-in and the right-in
0: <laughs> yeah oh. <laughs> too much left-in too much right-in and, the, and...
1: and there were some kids on my lawn <laughs>
0: <laughs> pesky kids go, get on my lawn
1: and with your lefting and your right-in kicking
0: their ball into my grass <laughs> no I just I found um, I just found it a bit disorienting after a while because it's a bit heavy mm-hmm. on, you know, it's heavy on the colours and the eyes. And there was a time in my life when playing these stroboscopic kind of games, and this isn't even the worst stroboscopic game you play, but playing these kind of games with all of that movement and visual dexterity and all of those colours and it's sort of bright white and greens and reds and colours, all zooming around at you after a while, <laughs> I just it kind of getting a bit, so, sort of, you know, I to get a bit queasy. So I think I couldn't have played it for ages and ages and ages. It's one that I would actually like to play with I've got a C64 Maxi now. We we was discussing it earlier. It's one I'd like to play mm. on that with William, my uh, youngest lad, because uh, my eldest is just tuned out. Well, actually, he probably enjoy it. Play, enjoys retro games a little bit because we all had a big. World games playoff anyway. I'll talk about that another time. But I think I'd like to play Bull boys with him because he likes those kind of games as well. So I think we'd get a lot out of that. So I had good fun, albeit that I got a headache. But what was uh, Ad Mills's version of events? I loved
1: it. I loved this. I thought you'd Um, like this one. This was. I, I mean, I enjoyed this more than I did back when I played it when I was younger. Sort of thing. I got more out of it now for whatever reasons. I think it's got a really, really good style to it. There's a really it does. S- nice sense. It really nice sense of just. It's really super slick. It's almost bare bones and minimalist. It's like you know the the, hot, the fonts chosen are good. The way that it represents score is good. The it's just really simple. The visuals. You know, they're, they're quite like, again, it's just this minimalist aesthetic sort of thing. Like you said, it's, got, it's um, similar in style to it's the floor in um, base area, isn't it? It's that kind of 3D rather than that sort of lines coming at you. So it's the checkerboard effects and we like that sort of thing. But because you can move left, right, you know, forward and backwards um, and, and the simplicity of it sort of thing and, and the speed at which this all flies around. And it, I, I agree, sort of thing, it can be quite disconcerting, disorienting at times. And that's because just to sort of clarify, one of the things you don't control the which way you face, you will always snap. That this is the lefting and the righting, you will snap to face where the ball is. So if the ball goes past you to the left, you will snap ninety degrees. I noted in my um, notes that it's a uh, reminding me of Auto Man <laughs> and, and snapping. You know, it's that kind of you're quick. Just, you're not, you know you're facing one way and suddenly ninety degree the other way. And you've got to be you've got to kind of be on that, knowing where the ball is going to be going. And then knowing that you are going to snap, so knowing when the, to sort of adjust controls accordingly, and that comes with a little bit of practice. Um, when I first started playing this, it left me a bit bemused, sort of thing. And I was a bit like oh, trying to catch up with it and always trying to sort of reg, you know fault through it. But after a few games against the uh, computer, and to be fair as well, what I also like is those skill levels. Uh, I beat level zero my first games. I battered it, and then but as you go up once and I started playing one, two, three, four, that gets trickier as it goes along and they get wily to your moves and and you really do start to feel like a really good battle. This is one of those few games where I felt like the AI feels like a decent AI. And 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 that's quite something in you know one load 64k. You know, this is quite impressive I thought. It is. It is impressive for that. Once you become attuned to the speed and recognizing your when you're going to flip your view you it almost becomes second nature as to you know it's going to happen and you know which way to switch and you get used to that quickly and suddenly you find yourself moving around that you know that whole playboard you know the whole i don't know what you call it is it court is it's just a playing area isn't it the whole big square playing area whatever field i think play field yeah you find yourself zipping around that flipping left and right 90 degrees but being constantly in control and you know when you're the, the, the droid has got the thing in front of you whipping out to the left of it and knowing that as you go past it, you're going to switch to the side to face it, but knowing to change your view, you know, your control systems quickly to the top left or your top right, depending on which way you've gone around it and to blast it away from it and then go chasing after it and the ball's flapping around and you're, you know, you're each coming at each other and trying to... And, and it, it was just great. It's it's really unlike anything else I've I've actually played. You know, other well, the two player games and I've played, you know, played a lot of games in my time. I've not played much like this. The, the speed at which it flies about... Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a it's a ball-based game where you've got to shoot it between two posts. So okay, so football, know yeah, so things like that. So speedball, as you say, there are some things of those kind of things in it. But the simplicity, the minimalism, the speed of this, yeah, it's a, it's really unlike anything. I'd love, to, I don't know, whether I, what, do you need do you need another version of this because it's just almost perfect as is. Does it deserve that ninety-eight percent? Not sure. Don't know. But.
0: I don't know what you'd do to improve this. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's uh, it's a, as a concept game goes, it's, it's 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 nothing you could really add to it, mate, really that would make yeah. it any less of what it is, would it? Would just be maybe making it because it's a kind of a goalie game, isn't it? It's a game based on scoring, so.
1: Yeah. And you're you're both attack and defense. You're all you're all in one, and it's just you flying around this this big open play space, trying to sort of outmaneuver and outthink your opponent about yeah. you know which way you're going to go. And and it's just it's super slick, it's super fast. I just thought it was excellent.
0: Yeah, I agree. I did enjoy it. It's just thought it did, I did get dizzying. That's all.
1: It does because it it's it's very unforgiving, and that's you know that's quite something on the C64 that a 3D game is moving at such a pace as to make you feel dizzy. Yeah, you know, from a te- yeah. technical point a technical point of view, that's. That, and especially two screens, this you know, split screen.
0: Yeah, that is clever. It has to be said.
1: Because I put, um, you know, really good split screen and not a glitch. And that's the other thing as well. Not a glitch or frame rate pickup inside. It's nothing. It's just smooth as hell. And so that was one of the things I really, really liked about it. I just thought, I, I don't know how you would improve on this, really. Because it's so simple. Anything you'd add to it, kind of just dilute it. It just feels like a, a, a concept. Someone had this concept And they ran it past people and they went, well, well, do you need to, no, 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 it's just this. And they went, you know, because if you look at the complexity of like their other game, this issue, Corona's Rift, you know, there's lots of stuff in that, lots of, you know, lots of background and things like that. This has some background about great wars and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it's all all window dressing to the fact that this is just a good one-on-one, really fast ball sports game. I don't know what else, what you do with it. I I don't know.
0: You know, anything else would just be messing with the formula. I really, I really liked it. It is good. There's no way around that. And it's well made, well put together and everything else. So yeah, go play it, I would say. Go, you know, go find yourself a, either an opponent or so go and play the, the computer and go and have a go at it. Because I think there is something to really play here. It's a, it's a unique game of its type. Mm. There's not, nothing else like I can think of, really. There's certainly nothing as slick as that in that kind of 3D way. So go find it. Go play it.
1: Uh, I, I, yeah, highly, rec- highly recommend this. It's, I think it's great. And also, I, lo- I lo- sure, but I really like the music really liked the music yeah so it was really funky good. yeah it's really cool yeah it's good <laughs> yeah there you go ball blazer I loved it go play it go play it even with the lefting and Just righting if you're over
0: the age of 40 take regular breaks <laughs> I'm
1: over 40 I not need regular breaks
0: yeah but your eyes are still rotating now
1: oh that is true actually I'm actually sat in a rotofoil I'm doing this from
0: <laughs> absolutely you've been zooming back and the for days <laughs> <laughs> I haven't stopped I can't stop zooming I can't <laughs>
1: Uh, I keep having to move the microphone because we keep snapping I'm ninety degrees left and right. I don't actually go around corners anymore. I just snap, auto automan style.
0: <laughs> Packing your car is a simple affair, though. You just literally put there. You go in. <laughs> Yeah, just dead people underneath it. <laughs> yeah, you've got, you've got to pay more attention
1: to who's in that parking space before you just... <laughs> well, I say, you know, what does it kill me makes me stronger. That's all I can say. Right, let's move on. Ballblazer, yes, go play it. It's very good. Very, very good. Um, let's let's move on, though. Yeah, let's move on to... Uh, uh, yeah, let's move on. Two the first of a, a double a double firebird ult, ultimate play the game double bill yeah two of them a double double bill will be four of them there are only two of them so got a double bill we've got the first of those games and that first game is underworld now i'm gonna i'll talk about underworld first i i will be completely honest i have no frame of reference with underworld i know it's a ultimate game i know it's a spectrum game first i've never seen it never seen it never played it no, nothing about was it. Was it limited release? I, I don't think so. I think it was a pretty big game on the spectrum. It came out like about a year or so a year or so before then. But it's one of those games that I've heard of, but I've never seen. Not ever. So this was clearly a big influence on Nodes of Yesod. It's very similar. But my first comment on this is, why release this now when Nodes of Yesod has already come out?
0: Yeah, maybe that's why.
1: Because this is not as good as Nodes of Yesod. No, it's not. Nodes of Yesod is clearly an antecedent of this, but it just does everything so much better. Now... It, it, it's fairly fast. This game. It springs around. It's a similar sort of thing to Nodious. Or you, you play, you play Saberman or whatever his name is in it. You think it's the same guy from Saberwall. That's it. Saber You're jumping Man, yeah. around. There's platforms, but you bounce around. When I first, when I first started this, I, w- I went off the first screen. I went left. I jumped up, and there's a clock in the top left corner, and I got stuck in the top left corner between the, the clock and the wall because it just couldn't bounce out of it. Not good. I was like, what, what is going, what is going on here? And I had to reset and, and restart. So I restarted, went a different direction, bounced around, fell down stuff, hung from the ceiling, went through caves and caverns. I just, I don't know. It, it felt like, okay, a year or so, whenever it came out on Spectrum, this might have been, you know, d- decent. And I know that Ultimate have a good reputation on the Spectrum for their games because they're pushing the machine and they're doing stuff that other people aren't doing. And this, this looks very Spectrum-esque. The visuals are still very Spectrum-esque. It just shows its Spectrum heritage. And, and you know, and also as well, so much fun. Floating crap on screen coming to kill you. Yeah. Another one of those it's, it's ultimate can't seem to do away with that. You know, we had this problem with the C64 games with Entombed and with Black Witch. It's like stop it. You've got a year's worth of and maybe it's because they were trapped in a in a loop or trapped you know trapped in a if they'd have taken out the challenge of those things floating around then would it have still been Underworld? Would it have still been a true faithful conversion? But you know some of these things and, as games have moved on and shown that you don't need that. You can revisit these things and maybe amend them and change them and sort of have a look at it and say for the C64 version we've redesigned this and think but no it is essentially it feels like a massively you know I went and had a look at the Spectre version but it seems like a straight straight port and I don't understand why I don't know I didn't like it
0: did you like it? No I didn't. Did you get on with it? I didn't like it. Did you have any sort of prior history with it or anything? No or? not really I'd heard of it and strangely it's a game I'd seen the box of so many times when I was going in out of uh, j and Software which was a place way back in the day in Grimsby where you could rent games. It's it's a cool box. I remember seeing it and never, and thinking, I will get that one day. I'll get that one day. Never did. So uh, I think it's a game that has, uh, because it's Saber Man and it's Saber Wolf and it appeals to the Spectrum owners. I don't think it has the same appeal for C64. Problem I had with this, as much as this is 600 screens, I think. So it's even bigger than the other one that I, you know, the Sean Southern one, 600 screens, it's just stupidly uncontrollable and unplayable because of all the mm-hmm. bouncing around as soon as you hit something bouncing and bouncing and around and so that's the, the thing instead of it being remorselessly attacked at every opportunity and being gradually drained of your life till you're dead this one just bounces you around to inconvenience and that is not you know even notes of yes i would had that but there was at least a way you could prevent that from happening if you just took a bit of time and it just this just felt like i was just kind of bouncing around like a like a basketball being bounced around it wasn't any fun it just felt clunky I think Note of or does what this is doing better mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that. So it just didn't have anything for me. I thought it was just well, not really nice to look at. Graphics were kind of boring. It was just hard to control if that's what you could call control because I don't believe, it felt at times I wasn't in control mm-hmm. of anything really and I was just kind of bouncing around. So looks looked all right, I suppose. It's the best I could say about it. I don't think I would have given it nearly 70% though. It just felt, again, it's a port of a spectrum game. There's probably a great fan base for it on the spectrum. I don't see the sixty C sixty four owners looking at this and going, Yay, thank God Underworld came out because it's pretty poor. So and if you're gonna play a game of this type, go and play Notes of Yesod or Ark of Yesod when that comes out. You know, just don't bother with this.
1: Yeah, I think read, reading the review, it seems that we're a bit of a split in the um in the players. One I think Gary Penn and Gary Lydon were a bit down on it and but Julian Rignall really, really liked it. I think this is this one. And so I think that may sort of explain the sort of the weird score. I don't think it's worth that anywhere near that, especially not a 995. It's ridiculous. I think it's, li- it's living on borrowed heritage at this point. And I, I would I would say that just go play No of on. It's a better game. It's more interesting. It's, for all its faults and its issues, and there are some, you know, it's not perfect. It's still better than this, which, as you say, quite rightly is, you know, this makes thing on a spring look positively sedate um, with its bounciness, which is saying something. Uh, so I, I don't understand that. If this was like this on the Spectrum, don't understand why we'd be so so liked i don't get it no. i don't think i would i don't think i would have even liked this at the time i would have found it uncontrollable and annoying
0: yeah i agree so
1: no not for me underworld no 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 no, no. Born, born crappy
0: <laughs> is what i say about this yeah yeah no it's not but it's not good on that it's not good play. no 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 no, no. Well,
1: let's move on let's move on to the other one <laughs> Which amazingly is worse.
0: Yes, it certainly was.
1: Unfortunately, this does not star Brendan Fraser. It doesn't have John Hannah. It's
0: just got John Hannah in John it. John Hannah. No. It doesn't have him no.
1: in it, and it doesn't have Rachel, Rachel Weiss. No. This game is
0: Immotep. 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 So, this is Immotep. Graham, what's Immotep? Immotep is a defender style shooter, believe it or not, ish, where you play the role of Immotep, and you've got to cross the lands. And finding uh, the location of Throth <laughs> and the princess over a number of levels. So you fly on a bird, as I recall, or some kind of birdish looking thing. And it's a shooter. So it's a kind of, imagine Defender shooting at these uh, sort of nomad-y things, the birds. The, they fire things back at you. And if you get hit, you die. You think you've got five lives or three lives. I can't remember. But as you progress, you know, it gets more difficult and stuff. So... You can actually at certain points get off your bird and you have to carry on on foot and it's kind of a sort of a constant scrolling type thing. It's a bit weird. It's, 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 it, what it is is it's a mishmash of stuff that doesn't work again and it's really quite hard <laughs> and it's horrible to look at and play. This felt like a... a considering the, the pedigree of the games that Ultimate have in their back pocket, this is an absolute misfire in every way. It's graphically awful doesn't play very well at all. It's, as Defender games go, it's crap anyway. And there's better games that at way better games that like that anyway. So it's just it's a miss, a massive misfire. And I've, I've put that it actually is horrible and looks horrible. And I wonder if it, I wonder at this point is this, is this not really the because ult- it's been a slow gradual fall from grace for Ultimate with the C sixty four stuff to the mm-hmm. point when you're now getting to Ultimate for God's sake, don't play this game. <laughs> and I wonder if it's is this the point when we've got to that unrecoverable fall from grace? You know that now. The damage is done now, which been one kind of kick after another kick and the game's excited to get scrappier and not as good and not very interesting and misfires along the way and complex incredulity of story and, and it's just all going horribly wrong. And I wonder if it's just frustrated designers or developers or people developing for a platform they have literally no affinity for and not really understanding the strengths of it. I don't know where mm. it's going wrong, but going wrong it is because this got 20% in ZAP. And that is not a good score for a game of a company of Ultimates caliber. So I didn't enjoy playing it. There wasn't really anything enjoyable about this game. Even graphically, it was just ugly. So uh, I didn't enjoy it. It's, it's, It's not a good game at all. And so... I would avoid playing it at all costs, really. And it is, if you're going to play Ultimate Games, just don't play this one. But uh, you might turn yeah. around and say, I thought it was awesome.
1: No, I didn't. I didn't actually realise it was Defender. I could see, only seemed to scroll in one way. So I've put, actually, all the talk
0: we've had with, like... I say, it's Defender-ish.
1: <laughs> well, I put, I put... What did I put? I put something about, uh, we finally have a horizontal scrolling shooter and I should be careful what I wish for. Yes. I do have a small modicum of positives, and that is essentially the title screen, which I did quite like. Yeah, they do good title screens, <laughs> just, it, don't
0: they, in the resolution? It's a
1: bit, it's a bit blocky, but... Parallax is slow but nice, and, and and I quite like the music. I thought the music was quite nice, quite nice and atmospheric. I didn't really mind that. However, awful controls make this a nightmare to play. Awful. You're so slow, you can't shoot fast enough. If, you're, if it's a shooter, I need to be able to shoot, and I need to be able to shoot fast and i need to be able to move fast and react fast especially when the the enemies move some of them are really slow and some of them just home in on you and you can't shake them it's just a pain in the ass i didn't mind the visuals that they were okay that you know what it was but it's just it's just the lack of thought in the enemy variety undoes everything and makes it virtually unplayable it's just a mess an yep, absolute mess, mess of a game yep. that just i couldn't understand it i couldn't understand how you would play this and think this is alright to put out and for 9.95 that's shocking isn't it I mean, this gets this gets twenty percent in an in an in an issue
0: when Metabolis got fifty. Yeah,
1: this is thirty percent worse than Metabolis.
0: <laughs> well, that says you a lot. And with the like I say, with the pedigree of of product that sits behind this, I mean, it's it's a wonder that they even released it, really, because it. Shocking. Yeah, this needed like
1: more time in the oven. Yes, it did, and, and, a, and, and, and a complete and a, and a complete rethink of like how this was supposed to actually play and and be be there. I can only assume that the, they only had this to release. That's why we've got ports of Underworld and saberwolf in quick succession. But you yeah, know, this was a Firebird release, wasn't it? Not Underworld, so it was Underworld along with Firebird. So there's some kind of weird, like, oh, we'll port it. We'll take these and port them over. So I don't know. But this is not a port,
0: is it? This is a straight 64 it is, yeah. game. I mean, this it's, is not a port. No, that's right. I mean, is, is there... Did you get to the sort of platformy game bits of this? Because...
1: I could barely get anywhere, yeah. something, because I just kept getting killed by the... fireball. fireballs, it's like a, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's like, it's like a shit joust. Yeah, because as soon as you touch your fireball, or indeed touch the the bird things, the nomad things, whatever they are, that fire them, you're dead. Yeah. And and you've only got five lives, and you can lose them lives like bam, 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 done.
1: Yeah, and because you can only fire like one bullet every two seconds, if you fire and miss, which is quite easy to do because things are small, everything's quite small... They are just on top of you and kill you before you can shoot again. Yeah, it, it just makes no sense no. why anyone would think. Yeah, that's 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 the rate we want to fire. I've I've made sort of small shoot 'em ups, and it's like the first thing you do is you allow the player to bloody well shoot. Yeah, as fast as they can press the button, even if it's not a hold downfire. Even just press every time I press the button, I want a bullet to appear. Simple, simple shoot 'em up rules. Yeah. they're not hard. No, so no immatep God no, <sighs> awful. One of the we need better things. We need better shoot 'em ups than this because that's terrible. Let's move on, because I don't, I don't want to talk about Imhotep anymore. Uh, our next game is Thunderbirds, a, a, a translation of the Gerry Anderson puppets, Thunderbirds. This was a cheapy £3.95. Mm-hmm. Zap were it was okay, seventy-seven percent. What did we think? Well, Thunderbolts is this a weird, strange title again? The, you know what this reminded me of? We've had another one like this already. We had it last episode, and that is Goonies. Yeah. Ish. Um, it's this, it's, this, it's not, not exactly the same, but in... It's a game of puzzles. Sort of, it's, yeah, it's a game of puzzles where you control two different things mm. and you have to do. You have to use one to solve a certain puzzle that allows the other to do a certain thing. Similar in style to Goonies, but a lot, a lot bigger. They look, look kind of crazier. So the plot of this game is you control Thunderbirds 1 and 2, so it's basically the rocket and the, the green chunky one, uh, and some scientists have gotten trapped in a pyramid and you have to go in and rescue them. And the way you go in and rescue them is that these pyramids are festooned with coloured blocks, the so street types coloured blocks, as so blue, green, and yellow. Um, I think it is. is the blue, green, and yellow?
0: Yeah, I, think, I so. think so.
1: I think so. And then the... So Thunderbird 2 which is the green one can push the green blocks Thunderbird one can lift lift or push the blue blocks and they can both push the yellow blocks something like that and so it's a block it's a block pushing it's a block pushing you know you've got to move a block Push one pushes a block so it allows another one to get through and there's narrow sort of passageways because Thunderbird one is narrow and long Thunderbird two is short and squat so it's wider so it can't get through certain passageways that Thunderbird one can get through which then allows that to go push something out of the way which then unblock something so Thunderbird two can go along you've got fuel to watch out you can take a load of extra items with you at the start which kind of a bit weird you can one of them looks like a penny farthing i'm not quite sure what's going on at points in this game so i think with some of the crazy crazy stuff you get to a certain point where you about the third or fourth screen you move up to the top and suddenly suddenly you're in a weird screen where there's giant pharaohs walking back and forth and you have to kind of avoid them it it all gets very very strange and odd at times this game but you know probably played a lot of these kind of games on your phone you drag a block to move another block, mm-hmm. to push another block up, to move that round, to do that there. And it's one of them. It's essentially, it's in a very early version of a block. Certain things can push certain things to yeah, allow yeah. certain things to get past, to allow a certain other thing to push that. And you both can then progress. And then it's working out those, that kind of puzzle as you, as, you, as you progress. And as those kind of games go, it's all right. It has some, it's got its uh, ubiquitous speech, I think at the beginning, doesn't it, where it goes Thunderbirds are go in in the title screen. It's got a really, really quite long opening sequence where the Thunderbirds take off and you can't skip, um, which is a bit annoying. It's weird uh, in the, on that second screen, there's all that fuel dotted about in there. Mm. But if you go backwards and come back on, all the fuel disappears and then renders the game very short because you've run out of fuel immediately. I did that a few times, yeah, because um, I didn't know it was fuel. Yeah, you got like a
0: fuel management whole fuel management feature of this, haven't you?
1: Yeah, so I didn't know it was fuel at first. I thought those kind of glowy things were going to kill me. Until I thought maybe mm-hmm. I'm supposed to collect them, and then my fuel went up. and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I did. It's all right, you know. I didn't find it horrendous. It's just one of them kind of. It's a blocks block sliding puzzle
0: mm-hmm. puzzler. I Don't know. Did you get on with it? Did you find it all right? Oh, it was rough around the edges. There's a playable game in there for the price. That's what I thought. Didn't like the graphics particularly. Didn't hate them, but they're not it just lacked a bit of finishing and a bit of colorization. It just, it just looked a bit basic. Yeah, it did. But you know, the puzzles are quite intriguing that said, and if you're going to stick with that and go for it and really try and with the puzzles and move the blocks around, you're going to have a bit of fun with that. So it's okay. Didn't float my boat particularly. I, I prefer games that um, have a bit more to them than this for the same reasons. I don't particularly like the Goonies game in the same, in the sense that um, once you know how to do something, you know how to do it, but there's enough here to have a go at, I suppose. And, you know you can get to, I'm not a big fan of the thunderbirds though I have to say they don't hold a lot of fascination for me I was never a big thunderbirds yeah. fan even in my even in my youth you know for me it was superseded by Starfleet and by um other stuff that was around when I was younger, and Thunderbirds just is a bit just a bit before my time, yeah. So, yeah. a bit like um, Captain Scarlet and Joe 90 and all the other things that Jerry Anderson famously did with all of his puppets. And his puppetry was great, don't get me wrong, but I much preferred the, the ones that what came later. The underwater one, Stingray, Stingray, yeah. This is the whole slew of them, wasn't there? And then there was it, there was a they disappeared for a while, and then they came back with that Terra Hawks, <laughs> and obviously, Starfleet was a one that was made elsewhere in the world and just you know made famous by its bizarre um brian may release of the soundtrack to the to the <laughs> i to, remember yeah, that it's you can google that and youtube it is uh the version of starfleet sung, sung and performed by brian may and i think i could be wrong but i think it might even be eddie van halen so anyway what what yeah what world is this <laughs> you can uh youtube that if you youtube the starfleet the opening starfleet song brian may became obsessed with it. anyway i don't know why we're talking about that long and short of it is i didn't like thunderbirds <laughs> Playing a game that i Thunderbirds in didn't hold much interest for me. The puzzle's all right, but, you know, it bypassed me then. It bypassed me now. It was okay, but I wouldn't go back and play it. If you like Thunderbirds, give it a blast, but if you don't, just avoid it for me
1: yeah i mean i, I think I, i've got a bit of affinity for thunderbirds my my, my brother seemed i seem to remember my brother liking them and watching them on a sunday afternoon parker and um what was her name lady penelope uh, so that you know it was it was all right i i, I didn't mind i, I like I, like you said i think you probably will get more out of this if you are into the thunderbirds you may you know you, you'll find some affinity for it of controlling thunderbird one or thunderbird two And you can get the mole and things like that. And there are some references to the show and there's just bits and bobs. And if you like block sliding puzzles, you'll probably enjoy it. Yeah, you'll probably enjoy it because it's a relatively decent one of them. It's nothing major, but for three, for what is it, four
0: quid? For four quid, Thunderbirds are go.
1: Thunderbirds are go, yeah. There you go. Thunderbirds, that's what we think. Thunderbirds are go indeed. Right, so that's that. That's our games, this one. Ballblazer, yes. Underworld, probably not. Imhotep, definitely not. No. And Thunderbirds, yeah, Yeah, maybe. If you like like Thunderbirds. If you like Thunderbirds. So that's our games in this first section. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in a moment with film and TV for January 1986. So stay with us. (laughs) Thanks to our sponsor, DavidHearnWriter.com, where you'll find audiobooks for just a few quid. Dave's feature book this week is Back in Time for a Donut, where Tara plots a way to get to her father's time machine so she can go back in time to stop her sister from wrecking Australia, plus meet the man of her dreams, who named his boat Jack Attack. The audiobook is available at Google Play, Apple Books, Audible, etc., or visit DavidHearnWriter.com to find out more. Are you, Hello there, welcome back. This is, uh, yeah, this is the next part. So we're looking at film and TV for January 1986. What was going on? What delights did they have to uh, entertain us with as we moved into a new year? Well, on the 1st of January, our New Year's Day highlights on BBC One included a Paul Young concert.
0: <laughs> <laughs> did he have enough songs well, for that?
1: Clearly, I don't know. Just he keeps playing the same song over and over again. Every time you go. Oh, I was going to say, wherever I lay my hat. So he's obviously got two. And also, he's got Love of the Common People, where it is. Yeah, yeah. he has. Family Man. Ah, yeah. (laughs) But uh, it was a simulcast with BBC Radio 1. So uh, that's what, you know, we had that to look forward to. But British television were premieres. This is a Rocky podcast, by the way. British television premieres of Clash of the Titans and Rocky 2.
0: Oh, Clash of the Titans is a great film.
1: I'm not saying anything bad about Clash of Titans. And Rocket 2 is good. And
0: they're two great films. What are things to have as a premiere? I mean, you couldn't get more opposites, really. I I suppose there's gladiatorial, combat-ish things, but Clash of Titans is a classic, and it's, you know, Harryhausen's... Super moody. Directed that one, I think. So it's. uh nah, um, did
1: he? I don't think yeah, he did. did yeah, he? I think
0: it's Harryhausen directed Clash of Titans yet. Yeah. You it's, sure? Um, I'll take word for it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. And it's it's just you know it's it's got the Kraken in it. It's one of my favourite monsters that he ever made. I mean, everyone likes the skeletons and everything, but the Kraken in that is just astonishing. And the attack of on jopper and all the things that happen. It's just it's a great film. And of course, it has. <sighs> take a moment. It's got Calibos in it. (laughs) It has got Calibos. Just
1: to say it was directed by Desmond Davis. Yeah, exactly. It's like I said.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Ray Harry What? Ha, which one did Ray Harry Harryhausen direct? Because he did famously direct one, didn't he? And it wasn't. I, no, I have no idea. But
1: a... I don't think he did that. But yes, yeah. he has got Calibos. I'm looking at a picture of him right now. Yes, Calibos. Calibos.
0: The TV program for kids that never was.
1: And also, as well, Calibos also, strangely enough, appeared in a Callie video. <laughs> <laughs> driving her around in the I Should Be So Lucky video. He does. Just look at the I should be so lucky video with the video where it's Calibano being driven around Sydney and the the driver has a particular resemblance to Calibos, <laughs> which is a, a weird thing. He really does. does. It's so so much so that I remember taking a picture of my scr- of my TV screen and sending it to you.
0: You did because as <laughs> because you I was know, so I, shocked. for some reason I, the character of Calibos is is quite. And it's actually these weird links between the two. Films, isn't there? Because uh, am I right Calibots in thinking? Clash of the Titans and Rocky Two? Yeah, well, no, Clash of the Titans and Rocky Two. You, you would never put those two films together, except isn't um, one of the characters in Clash of the Titans in Rocky Two? Doesn't he play? Oh, it's, it's Mickey, thing, isn't it? it? Yeah, it's Mickey. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he does. Yeah,
1: because he plays the. uh Does he play the guy who makes the owl? Uh, no, because the owl's no. made by. Um,
0: oh, it's made. it's made one by of the, the gods, it's, isn't it? Um,
1: yeah. It's, he's the um, guy that helps
0: Perse- Perseus when he wakes up because he gets moved, doesn't he? And he gets moved into the arena and he lives in an old arena and he's like, he tries to scare him off a bit like a bit like Obi-Wan does. He kind of makes a big noise and a ha ha And then it says that's it's just some old guy with a cloak and Perseus befriends him. And then when Zeus leaves so all the merited. weapons, that's it. And when Zeus leaves all the weapons for Perseus as a gift to sort of help him fight because he's kind of been moved there by- Yes. Oh, who's the queen? I can't remember the queen of the gods who moves, who moves him because she's peeved at Zeus for morphing- her son into Calibos.
1: Maggie Smith as Thetis. Maggie Smith's
0: character. Thetis, yes, Thetis. So the goddess, Thetis, he's angry at Zeus and that's where she, because obviously Perseus is Zeus's son and so he she transmutes him by magical powers, the power of green screen or blue screen, I guess, by then. <laughs> and he wakes up in the middle of nowhere, not knowing where he is or whatever and then so mm-hmm. Zeus leaves him the shield and the sword and the helmet, which makes him invisible and all that cool stuff. It's, I, I absolutely love Clash of Titans. I love it. It's better than the remake. It, it is better than the remake. And that Way tells better. you something about it. You know, it's Remake's got awful. Ursula Andress in it as, a, as I mean, come on. It's, this cast is amazing in that film. She's Aphrodite, isn't she? She's Aphrodite. It's got... Is it. Who's it who plays Zeus? Lawrence Olivier. Laurence Olivier, that's right. It's just what an amazing cast is in that film. It's just it's mind blowing. Harry Hamlin and is Perseus. Yeah, it's just it's a it's one of the greats and it features Medusa, which that scene the Medusa scene in that film is one of the best. Yeah, of that I loved type. the Medusa. You know, that, scene. that sort of is it. What, what they call the animation style, stop frame animation, isn't it? Yeah, and stop the Medusa motion, sequence yeah. in that. And the, I mean, I, I mean, he came and did a speech, didn't he, Harry House, in Grimsby many, many moons ago. He did. Yes, at uh, our school, in fact. Yes, and I was just mad that that even happened. And um, he had some of those models from those films, and one of them was the Medusa model.
1: He did. Yeah, yeah, just amazing. Anyway, sorry,
0: good. I didn't mean to go super super. That's all right. <laughs>
1: That's all right. I, I like
0: Clash, Clash of the Titans. The Titans. I actually went to see that with my brother in a cinema in Cleethorpes. When they had a cinema in Cleethorpes it shows you how long ago that was, and it was a weird double bill with something else because there was always double bills in that weird cinema down Grimsby Road, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And I saw, so I'm lucky enough to have seen Clash of the Titans in a cinema, which is, which to this day is amazing that I did that. I saw it at the cinema as well. My brother took me as well. It's just lucky because you know you take it for granted now, but there's, it blew my mind at that age to see that. It's just mind blowing. Anyway, yeah. Rocky two. II. Rocky two is good. It is good. <laughs> all, all, you can't argue with the Rocky the first four Rocky movies. Well, we'll,
1: talk, we'll, talk, well, let's leave Rocky. We'll come to. Talk- yeah, about we're going to come to Rocky it, stuff, in minute. We're going to yeah. come to Rocky, so Rocky 2, we'll just leave for the moment. But Clash yeah. great. 2nd of January, I found this a bit weird. A special edition... The, now, see if you can see the, um, the 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 weirdness here. A special edition of Tomorrow's World travels back a century... Oh. <laughs> ...to discover the latest developments in science and technology from 1886. <laughs> <laughs> it's not tomorrow then, is it? So it should, shouldn't it be
0: Yesterday's World?
1: You would have thought so, yeah. You that they'll have a... An episode called Yesterday's World, yeah.
0: So uh, that was weird. That was the 2nd of January. I bet it was a short program where they were like, nothing was invented in 1886. Nothing. No, nothing apart
1: from nothing. probably some one. Oh, was it a couple of years later? I can't remember. Was it 1886 Jack the Ripper?
0: I can't remember. No, that of wouldn't think tomorrow's world, would it? <laughs> what? <Well, it's> yesterday's <laughs> world? <laughs> yes. In yesterday's world, the best invention was Jack the Ripper. How was that Death. invention? Serial <laughs> colours were invented. <laughs> Well, they were taking
1: (laughs) pictures of the people's eyes, weren't they, to see if the last image was on them. Oh, they did weird stuff like
0: that back then, didn't they? Yeah, they
1: used to take photographs of of the victim's eyes to see if it captured the last image of the thing they saw, see if they could see the the killer on them.
0: I prescribed this patient six bottles of laudanum. That should help him (laughs) out. He'll be spaced out for the next seven months and he'll talk (laughs) gibberish, but he'll be well in the end of that. And put leeches on his wang. Not that many. (laughs) All the leeches. Don't waste the leeches. We can't reuse them after that.
1: (laughs) Oh, they're so so full of blood. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, twelfth of January. This is a good one. ITV airs the game show catchphrase for the first time. That's still going as well. Everyone
0: loves a bit of Mr Chips. It's still going catchphrase.
1: It, it? is just still going. Was it Roy Walker right from the beginning? I'm pretty sure it was Roy Walker from the beginning. Yeah, say what you see. Yeah, yeah it must have been. Is I've, he still I've alive, Roy plenty... Walker? Of...
0: I guess he must be. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be.
1: I'm, I don't know. I'm not going to actually say anybody's alive or dead anymore on this show because I'd get it wrong. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but either way, you know, it was because it's now um,
1: is Roy it back to me sort of thing. I'm just going refer to people as like Schrodinger Schrodinger people because I don't know if they were both they're, to me they're both alive and dead <laughs> but he was famous for his little you know Yeah, you're right
0: when people got it didn't they it's-
1: it was there was a brilliant episode of Catchphrase which I saw once where um, the, the clue was lots of hay the word haze in a stack
0: <laughs> so haystack
1: <laughs> haystack and it was in the, uh, the the thing at the end you know where they were trying to get the big prize at the end and this woman just kept going hey 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 <laughs> hey 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 <laughs> hey 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 she just kept saying the word hey like she got stuck in some loop and then like the time ran out and Roy walker was like on her shoulder literally and he just went hey stack <laughs> <laughs> right in her ear and she's like uh. <laughs> it's an amazing bit of telly i just la- remember laughing my head off at it because he was obviously so annoyed <laughs> that she couldn't must see you hey, when Stark. they can't
0: get it I mean I've seen some, seen a few of those when they're blatantly obvious and you find yourself like almost shouting at the screen thinking, come on, this this isn't rocket science here. I remember seeing one that was the answer was clearly a flock of seagulls. Which is kind mm-hmm. of obvious what it was, and it was going birds, birds in flight, flight of the birds, <laughs> birds in the air, air birds, and it's like I was, I was just honestly, like how can you not see that that's a seagull in a, in a flock of them? How can you not get that? And that like, Mr. Chips is pointing at him. It's like honestly, it's
1: just <laughs> stupid. Uh, catchphrase is great for that kind of. It's great when the the contestant just cannot see it and when they just get like, like, uh, like,
0: yeah, yeah, they're like. And that's what this woman, she could, all she could say was the word "hey." Or when they come <laughs> up with blatant uh, sort of catchphrases that can't possibly be catchphrases. No, yes. it'll be that okay, it'll be that, um, that competition one where they get that like a, it'll be like walking through the moon mace You're like what <laughs> N- no it's not that <laughs> it's just that doesn't make any sense when they just come up with blatant non things it's just like, they're catching just balls on a trampoline <laughs> yeah it's like <laughs> yeah. no. it's right like, okay, no f- you know. <laughs> that's not a catchphrase <laughs> <laughs> balloon man it's like no it's goodness me just stop <laughs> <laughs> man uh, balloon balloon man no, it's just honestly it's just...
1: stick man circle balloon <laughs> when have you
0: ever said that ever <laughs> yeah, exactly so no, that famous catchphrase yeah stick man circle balloon <laughs> i don't know so it does have its appeal but you know still going to this day so it must have struck a chord i think it was one of those was did we invent that and took it to america or did america invent that and bring it to us because there was that this period no. was rife with a lot of that one we, we we borrowed loads of american the big one shows. i remember us borrowing was the price is right wasn't it prices oh that was it's awful, the price is right. Really but, awful. You know, but that's the one... But you can tell because that's very American because that's like, guess how much this is. Yeah, totally. And they, when they shout their name and they're running down the stairs and all that, ugh, oh, bad. Anyway,
1: that's catchphrase. 17th of January, ugh, BBC One aired a feature-length episode of US Soap Dynasty that sets up the storyline ready for the spin-off series, Dynasty 2, The Colbys, oh, which began on the 24th of January. Ne- can you guess what was on on the 24th of January? <laughs>
0: I would like to guess at the (laughs) British debut of...
1: Actually, no, it was Stickman Balloon (laughs) balloon (laughs) Circle.
0: Man walking (laughs) on a plank.
1: (laughs) It was the British television debut of Dynasty 2, The Colby's.
0: That was your highlight. Blimey. Blimey, right. I didn't like Dynasty at all. I didn't like Dallas, so I didn't like Dynasty. They're not my thing. Not my thing at all.
1: No, the only thing I liked about Dallas, I liked the opening credits. Yeah, where it's sort of yeah,
0: lots of shots, lots of shots of Texas, (laughs) Texas, you know, (laughs) steaks on a barbecue, (laughs) high-rise buildings. Yeah, then yeah, (laughs) that wink, hey. Whereas Dynasty was, bah, 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 <laughs> wasn't it? And it was just shots of big Georgian houses and big estates, and then Blake Carrington yeah. would drive up in a limousine and go hello. And well, he didn't do that because he's <laughs> but that kind of thing.
1: <laughs> I really hope he did though. I'm going to watch it now. <laughs> bah, 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 and then there was bah, the hello.
0: And then there was the, the lesser, the lesser known Falcons Crest. Oh God, yeah, Falcons Crest. I don't think that lasted long, did it?
1: Mm, I think it lasted a while. Last, then there was obviously what? Do you, do you remember what the spinoff to Dallas was?
0: Um, I don't. Was it Bobby's Bearings? Not Slanding, I think. Oh, Not Slanding. Was it? Was that? I don't know. They're all connected, aren't they? In some yeah, way. Yeah, because that, that was. I
1: think was it. Was it was Ken? I think. Yeah, it was Ken. Ken. Ken Ewing.
0: That's Ken right. Ewing. Yeah, the Ewings. Yeah, JI <laughs> Ewing. Or maybe it was
1: Cliff. Was it Cliff? No, it was Cliff, no, it was Cliff Barnes. Cliff or Barnes. <gasps> Let's not so, yeah. talk about Dynasty in Dallas. <laughs> no,
0: end of line.
1: That's uh, it. So let so, so, so that's your TV. So you can listen to Paul Young and watch, or watch Catchphrase and uh, Clash of the Titans. Films-wise, obviously quiet for the first couple of weeks uh, because no one's going to the cinema because it's January and no one's got any money. Uh, but on 17th of January, we had King Solomon's Mind, mm-hmm. which is the Indiana Jones yeah. rip-off Richard, Cham- Richard Chamberlain yeah. and yeah. Sharon Stone, if I remember right. It is,
0: yeah, it is. It's, it is basically poor man's Indiana Jones, that.
1: It is. It was better than its sequel, which was Alan Quartermain and the Lost Cities of Gold
0: or something. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It was all right. King Solomon's Mines, I remember watching that so yeah. when it's I was younger. And it was Indiana Jones light. It wasn't quite as gruesome as Indiana Jones. No heads no. were exploding or people getting stabbed through the throat in that one. Remember no, PG, Richard, Richard Chamberlain was no Harrison Ford, was he? No, I remember him from the Thornbirds and unfortunately from Shogun. TV well, series see, I remember. I remember him as being one of the three musketeers he was he was also in uh, The Man of the Iron Mask as well he was yeah and The Count of Monte Cristo not The Count of Monte Fisto that's, uh, well, that's which we're going to come to in a moment which we're going to come to soon
1: <laughs> it is indeed because 23rd of January I have no idea what this is but uh, there was Death in a French Garden I think it's a catchphrase uh, in film <laughs>
0: Say what you see. Death in the French garden. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Just Mr. Chips like falls over in a, in a garden with a French flag behind him. Like, was,
1: uh, no, this is remember, this is 1986, I sort of think. So if it was, he would have a striped top on with oh, yeah. a garlic, a uh, yeah, string of garlic around his neck, a yeah. beret, and
0: holding a yeah. baguette. Yeah, and it'd go. <laughs> <laughs> Say what you see. <laughs> uh, death in a French garden. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> that great film. I don't know who it's by. It's probably I uh, I don't know. Jean Luc, best godard on. Be it's one probably of one of them. Probably one of them. Jean Luc Picard made it.
1: But on We've got. You know. We've talked about Rambo, first part, part two. Now we've got the other one. 24th yes. January. We have got Rocky four. Now I, I watched Rocky four literally just before this podcast. So I'm I'm, fr- <laughs> I'm fresh on a Rocky tip. Um, And actually what I did was I watched the last 20 minutes of Rocky 3 first. So I watched the last 20 minutes of Rocky 3 straight into Rocky 4. Okay, Good I've idea. always thought Rocky 4 is, is such a strange old film. Everyone knows what the Rocky films are. The Rocky films, one, two, three, and 4, are the rise to stardom of Rocky Balboa, a boxer from nowhere in the first film. He's just a local boxer in Philadelphia who gets randomly selected to fight Apollo Creed, who's the reigning champion of the world. And, you know, it's just supposed to be a sort of pick someone and beat him, to that beat him up sort of thing. But he goes the distance and becomes a celebrity and goes on from there the first film is very different the first film is very much a character piece it's Stallone's writing that uh, second film kind of in the middle somewhere of what this would go on to become and so by Rocky 3 it becomes a bit more of a I don't know for Rocky 3 is more of a sort of the the story of like when you have it all and then lose it and mm. sort of coming coming to terms with his own mortality almost sort of thing so I watched it from the bit yeah. where she's giving him the talk on the beach and he's you know he's like I'm afraid that's what I am I'm afraid you want to hear me say it and it's like I was sat there going oh poor Rocky When he loses his manager in Rocky 3 doesn't he yeah he does yeah so it's the loss of everything so it's you know if we, and I've always thought of Rocky 4 as just a really weird film because Rocky 4 is in and of itself Rocky 4 there's barely any film there
0: no no there isn't it's, it's all it's, montage it's, that one
1: it's 90 minutes and, and it's most of it is, yeah this is you know we're into 1986 this is almost like a poster child for 1986 it's the it's an it's a film made for MTV because it's got you know numerous musical tracks in it so it's got James Brown Survivor there's all kinds of stuff in in this and th- th- and then there's the training theme. There's two training sequences. There is, for Christ's sake, um, wh- one after the other. But if you take and I always think something sort of because it, the start of Rocky Four, you have the end of Rocky Three. Then you have a scene where Adrian's brother Paulie. Gets given a cake by a robot. <laughs> <laughs> I hate I'm not that kidding. robot. I'm not making it up. Then you have Apollo Creed seeing Ivan Drago on the telly. He speaks to Rocky and says, I want to fight him. They have the press conference and then they have a fight. That's yeah. that's it. There's, there's no preamble. There's no like character nope. nonsense. Apollo Creed boilers comes to a bad end. There's a funeral. Rocky says to Adrian, I've got to go fight him because I'm a fighter. And she's like, uh. He goes to Russia. Oh yeah, no, he has a bit of a drive and remembers everything from the past. He's got montage in his car. With the sad music. yeah, he has his montage you know, in his car where he remembers all the angry other films. Face. Yeah, he has all the bits from all the other films. Yeah. Sort of thing. So that's a nice sort of cozy three, four minutes where they didn't have to film anything. And then he goes off to Russia, has two training sequences, and then there's a fight. That's it. This <laughs> like this. It's literally. I don't understand this film, but. When I watched it today sort of thing, I made the connection that this film needs to be seen as the culmination of the first four Rocky films. And so you don't need that characterization because you've got his character from the first three films. Mm. And in and of itself, the film is a is a weirdness, but it doesn't need it because what do you need to know about Rocky that you don't already know from the first three films? And so it, it's not a film that... It's like it's almost... It's the... As you said, you know, it's that he loses his mentor, he's down his depths in Rocky 3 and comes back up. But Rocky 4 is the triumphant return. And obviously... It's just weird. It's such a strange film, and yet, and yet, it's still absolutely amazing. I love those films. I don't know the bit in Rocky Four where he punches Ivan Drago, and it says, oh, the Russians cut. I'm <laughs> I, I, It gets me every time. As you are with Rambo, sort of thing. I think I am with the Rocky films. Whichever way Stallone
0: does it, sort of thing, he'll get you one way or another. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I love the, I like, I love the first. Rocky movies. I love them. Mm. The fact that Stallone has such involvement with them as well in terms of, I think he wrote them. I think he is, has a lot to do with them. It's not just him playing rock, you know, Rocky. He has a lot to do with them in terms of the I'm production. I'm pretty of them.
1: sure he won an Oscar for the first one for the best well, because It's, best a, it's story, a great film
0: it? without going into all the lineage of it all. You know, it is, it's that story of, it starts off the whole thing is a, the story of a boxer that comes from nowhere and becomes very famous for, and, and remember that in the first movie, The fight with Apollo Creed doesn't go according to plan. And so in the second movie, there's kind of a, you know, it's a rematch. And then the third one is about how he he's lost his way and a new version of him, a much badder, meaner, angrier version of him comes along. And because he's become complacent and because he's Mm. fallen for the blah, he doesn't know how to deal with it because he's basically confronting a version of himself, which he's not prepared for. And of course, then he can't be prepared because obviously then, you know, he has that fight. He's doing silly show stuff. Is it Thunderlips is in the third movie, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the Hulk Hogan one. Hulk yeah. Hogan's Thunderlips. and So there's all that. So Rocky Four comes along and I completely agree with you. You don't need, you know, you just need to have got an idea that it's about a boxer and you can watch Rocky Four and enjoy it. The fact that it's the in, that massive interplay of, you know, Russia is the big mm. enemy, you know, they send their biggest, baddest, nuclear missile-looking dude <laughs> yeah, to come. And, you know, there's a great moment when they're stood toe-to-toe in the ring and Ivan Drago, and it's Dolph Lundgren, isn't it? He is mm-hmm. massive. He towers yeah, he is. over Stallone. I mean, he's a good foot higher. He's, he's tall. He's giant. Mm-hmm. And you get that idea of this David and Goliath thing. You know, the interplay, you know, it's got the silly moments in it where... You know, they're training him like a robot, aren't they? Because Russians are all robotic, you know, Mm -hmm. cheaty, because they even inject steroids, a druggy, cheaty Russian dude, you know. Yeah, exactly. And it's got Bridget Nielsen, isn't it, hasn't it, as his kind of trainer? You know, and they're just showing off, you know, he can punch with three million square pounds per inch and all that kind of (laughs) stupid stuff and all that. It's all... Meaningless. What you're waiting for is the fight at the end, and well, the training montage, which in this one is the best one of the lot by miles, mm-hmm. because you know it's that. I love that way it flips. So Ivan Drago is training in the super technical camp, but in the US, whereas Rocky goes to Russia and you know he just jogs up a mountain, wait, works out in a barn with chains, and just I, yeah. I, for some reason it really appeals to me that.
1: Uh, fair play to Stallone. Do we just those um, dragon flags when yeah, he's when like he's, up, yeah, up on yeah. his shoulders, just up? It's like how i've tried one of them and i was like um i was moving for a week (laughs) in my in my in my when i used to go to the gym days i thought i'll try one of them and i was like i was done for about a week i was like oh my stomach
0: (laughs) and the music in the film is great you know there's there's a bit of everything in it it's got the follow-on song from survivor so they did famously did eye the tiger for rocky three and rocky three by the way is a tough nut to beat because rocky (laughs) three for me is such a great start to finish rocky movie and you know it's like and the best thing about these films is you don't need to have seen the previous one just to get it no you just it's a boxer who faces challenges some of them internal mostly to do with the fact that he's got to get some kind of validation from his girlfriend to go go and smash his fucking <laughs> head in oh pardon my language <laughs> and he you know he goes yeah i will do that and then and then that's when he goes and does it and that counts that can become the theme so what's not to like about it and that fight at the end of this is great it's just bizarre you know because it's not even a real it's not a actual boxing match in the terms that there's a belt at risk isn't it they're just just doing a show fight because they can do a show fight and he wants revenge for the and that sequence where he kills Apollo Creed even now I watch it and it's just I find it horrifying it is brutal yeah it it is brutal and and it's it's so so well played by um, Cal Weathers because he is just cocky and you know i'm not going to show this chump what it's all about and he turns into the kind of the club of Land character in that terms of cockiness and you're just thinking even you're watching it going you're underestimating this guy and you know when it's showing him you know punching him with all this power and you think and when he starts in the ring when he starts punching him and, and he just you're watching him and he has that look in his eyes oh it's such a good film you should everyone should go and watch the rocky movies you mm-hmm. should watch them and uh, watch them one watch them one after another because they're great films not, you know, yeah. there isn't a boring moment in Rocky
1: Four. No, there isn't. The only thing I don't, the only thing I don't like, have to watch it today sort of thing. I still, I, I I'm still not on board with the. I don't like the the speech at the end.
0: If I could change, but we oh, could yeah. change. Everyone could change. Yeah, just you know, everyone be friends. And that, and I never really liked the Paulie character, and he becomes a weird parody in the the third and the fourth movie. It becomes weird. It goes from being a <laughs> drunken, violent brother of the Uh, Rocky's girlfriend who, yeah, and and a, a difficult person in the film who's kind of looking out for his sister but doesn't trust Rocky and that, and it goes from that and he is a kind of fully fleshed out character there to being some kind of weird Sidekick to a yeah. robot. It's weird. His character makes a really weird transition of arc that makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah,
1: and that, the you know, the inclusion of the robot in Rocky IV is one of the weirdest things. It's a stupid, when it, stupid when it robot. Turns isn't it up later, sort of thing, and he's turned it into this
0: sexy robot.
1: It's like, how would you do that? You don't know anything about. How can you reprogram repro- repro- a robot? What do you know about robots?
0: I don't know why it's there. I'm guessing it's just you know. I don't, I don't know. know. It's,
1: well, that's the thing with Rocky Four is that there there are moments within it sort of thing that d- do stick out and don't don't fit um yeah, that's, that that, is that's one, one of them anything with his son is all just a bit off the chart sort of thing but rocky 4 is like the apotheosis it's the it's the it's the it's a reflection of because rocky two, rocky 3 was about what 82 yeah it's, it's quite early then. so it's 82 83 and this is like obviously three four years later Yeah, you know, i get the impression sort of thing that they just were just like oh we just need another we just need another rocky film you know it's, it's only 90 minutes long and as we both said About forty-five minutes of it is montage, Mm, Um, and about another another twenty minutes of it is is the fight at the end. So there's 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 barely any film there, (laughs) but it's kind of it feels like like I said, it feels like the the perfect synergy of MTV Hollywood. You know, this feels like the sort of you know what what would go on to be something like I don't know something like Days of Thunder or something. You know, this this feels like almost the first steps along. That it's almost like you know we don't need to we don't need plot (laughs) we don't need that. (laughs) What we need is we need to need flashy sequences, lots of music, a character we recognise, and do that and have a big fight at the end, and also just throw in because just make them Russian. Everyone hates the Russians. Yes, yes. There's a
0: lot of Russian bashing in this film. Yeah,
1: it feels like everything that's going on in the world and in sort of entertainment and politics everything is just crammed into that 90 minutes in a series of montages. It's the Mm. weirdest thing. And it really, 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 in no way, shape or form
0: should work as well as it does. No. But somehow... Somehow it does. It does. It's a great. It's just one of the great films. It's it's a good film to have in January because everyone's a bit a bit bored and a bit post Christmas and at the end of January everyone needs a bit of an uplift and there it is. You know, go on, let's go and watch a Giant Russian get his head beaten up. So who's not? What's not to like <laughs> about that? In the eighties, you know, we all hated the Russians for no reason really. That we were just fed a load of lies. I don't know how soon or after Chernobyl this is. A few years after Chernobyl, so the Russians weren't exactly flavour of the month with everybody at this particular time. And I think it's before Chernobyl, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. I can't remember when Chernobyl was. If it's, I don't know where it all fits in but either way the russians mm. were not popular and they were almost the enemy in almost everything at this point you know this predates when it all changed mm. of course and they became enemies of different nationalities and terrorist organizations but at this point all guns were firing from the rush from russia and it was all world war yeah. three we've, we've spoken about all that many times and this is another extension with an ironic twist at the end and it's like where can't we all just be friends it's like you just, just being boom. a guy to death yeah. All right. And he killed Apollo Creed. He killed Apollo Creed. He didn't just hurt him. He killed him. God damn it. Yeah, did. If he dies, <laughs> he dies. If he dies, he dies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh, and obviously and also the uh, the representation of Gorbachev standing up and applauding oh. at the end and everything as well. <laughs> yeah. The Politburo all standing up and going, yes, yes, well done, well yes. done, well
0: said, young man. Well done, Ski. Well done, Ski. <laughs> well done, Ski. No, no have him killed have the ro- <laughs> have the Rolling Stones killed this does feature brilliant not Russia in this film as well when they f- when he flies into Russia and it's clearly not Russia it's just an airport with a bizarre Russian, Russian flag sign. and they don't speak Russian they speak gibberishy Russian so it's like madutra, it's that like, was just the other thing Russian. I noticed as well
1: is that none of the Russians in it look
0: happy no they're not allowed to be happy <laughs> the, are they
1: they're not allowed to be happy the Russians are a, a very sad and dour race sort yes, of thing the only, ones, the only ones that look happy is the one where he lists, when his car falls over in the snow and Stallone
0: Rocky helps him with his cart. Yeah, exactly, ride it you, can, you can't he gives be, a wave. You can't beat You know, US heart it's all you can't beat a guy with a heart like rocky with all the <laughs> technology can. in the world you russian technologists yeah with your fast roasters and your rumble seats
1: yeah this, this gave me an opportunity to watch rocky 4 again so i've not watched it in a, in a while sort of thing but I, as i said i started rocky 4 and as soon as rocky 4 starts and it's midway through the fight with club Alang, i was like you know what i need to watch the end of rocky 3 as well i'm surprised you i did watch the end of, i just didn't have time but the, i love the fight with club Alang because it's so quick mm. it's three it rounds quick Yeah. Which is ace. He just does him. He's like, he just, he just batters him. Oh, I just love the Rocky films. <laughs> yeah. he just bad listen to me talking about it. I oh, just—it's scripted, ding, you idiot. Ding. It's scripted.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not real boxing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's you know what it does do for me forever because of the Rocky films. It sets up every boxing match I've gone in to watch, whether it's pay per view. I mean, the, no, obviously the most recent one. Eventually, when it happens, will be Anthony Joshua versus Tyson Fury. I'll be pay per viewing the shit out of that. Let me tell you. And I, but I go into these things thinking, yes, it's going to be, and it's never as exciting as a Rocky <laughs> no movie. I'm way. like, oh, it's just you know. I'm, don't get me wrong incredible sportsmanship and all of that. I'm not taking it from away from any of the every, boxing skills. every but... fight in a Rocky
1: film would have been stopped about 10 rounds earlier by the Absolutely. ref. Absolutely. You're, like, you're not fighting anymore. yeah. <laughs> you're yeah, yeah. not you, fighting. Look at you're, you.
0: You're bleeding in ways <laughs> we didn't even think was possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're
1: bleeding out of his head get out of here <laughs> yeah so yeah there's yeah. no way like like this yeah, Co- just yeah contrary
0: to popular myth they don't uh, take razor blades to their boxer's cheeks and pop their eyeballs <laughs> and so uh, that they can you know, I can't see Mickey You can't see my eyes like that's the last of your least of your worries mate your, faces, <laughs> your face has gone slightly to the east <laughs> <laughs> your, your face has been punched sideways literally you've, you've, you've turned in a rotor foil <laughs> yeah exactly yeah
1: you oh, <laughs> your jaw dear. sticking
0: that far out because it's anyway oh, anyway
1: Rocky 4 great film go see um, it and, and yeah just watch it because they are great and, But you I know, might have
0: to get the Rocky movies on the big Blu-ray box set they've got out and that'd be worth mm, b- they're worth well worth it
1: well Rocky 5
0: mm. well you don't have to watch it do you? it's just part of the you box don't. sets <laughs> you do you know, yeah. there's, a, there's anyway, a few films like that let's move on there we yes. go
1: film, film and TV so some good stuff there Paul Young <laughs> Tomorrow's World Catchphrase Dynasty <laughs> so much King Solomon's Mind Clash of the Titans um, yes. and, and Rocky the Rocky films obviously so um, yeah go, it was all going on we had loads going on go see go um, do absolutely all right, enjoy Right. so we'll be back in a moment with our last set of games from uh, this month's crop so please stay with us
0: Shout out to our sponsor, DavidHernWriter.com, where you'll find bargain books and audiobooks. Dave's feature book is Back in Time for a Donut, where Tara will go back in time to fight for climate change, as well as turning the tables on her sister. Tara must get her lips around the donut of her dreams. Audiobook available at Google Play, Apple Books, Audible, and other cool places. Visit DavidHernWriter.com to find out more. Dave's podcast pick is Ballblazer, more fun and less painful than it sounds. <laughs>
1: All right, welcome back uh, to our last set of games. Uh, we've got four more to go through. Crapvert's chats and then we're, we're done. Yeah, no more from us. We'll be done with us. We're gone. We're out of here. What's our first game? Our first game in this section, Dynamite Dan. Dynamite Dan. It's another one of them. Brian Bloodaxe, Manic Miner, Bounty Bob. Alliterative platformers. Mm, yep. Alliterative platformers. We, we, did, so, we did
0: crapvert this one, didn't we, and complain bitterly did. that the, the eye in dynamite wasn't a stick of dynamite. Well, we decided. Yes, we said that. More.
1: So, uh, okay. What's dynamite, Dan? This got rated quite highly, didn't it? Eighty percent. A- Eighty percent. Seven ninety-five. So you know, not full, not the full caboodle that they normally charge. Uh, this is some kind of spy spoof, jet set, willy knockoff, is what I've written. I think kind of sums it up. You start off at the top of the mansion. You've got to go around this mansion and foil this evil scientist's plans by collecting. Is it Doctor Blitzen? You mean Doctor Blitzen? Look, I didn't look at the names. I'm very sorry. (laughs) So you've got to go around and you've got to collect, is it five bits of dynamite? Four bits of dynamite? Eight bits of dynamite? You've got to collect some dynamite. And once you've collected all the dynamite, you've got to blow it up. Essentially, that's it. It's it's Jet Set Willy. There are some little bits of you know free form exploration in the Jet Set Willy mould. You can go from wherever you want. You're not sort of set in a route, so there's like sort of openness to it. Not Metroidvania-ish totally, but it's a little bit in that style. The sense of humour is it almost works. It's not terrible. I've read I've read worse, like Brian Bloodaxe. Mm. Uh, you know, and it's it's okay. There's some nice touches. I like the fact that you have a number of lives, which kind of act like energy, and when you get hit you don't reset to the start of the screen. You just kind of carry on, but you lose one of your energy lives or whatever you want to call them. And that enemy that you hit is also destroyed. So that's quite good because it's like so many of these games, you get hit, you're back at the start of the screen and it's like, oh God, okay, I've got to manage my way through all that again. The sprites are quite nice. This is a conversion from the Spectrum game. At least they've actually taken the time to do something with some of the visuals. The Dynamite Dan sprite is quite nicely animated and he's quite well drawn. He's not your typical single colour sprite that probably would have been on the Spectrum, maybe. I don't know really what else to say about this. It's it's It just felt to me like another Jet Set Willy type thing. I don't know if there's more to it that I wasn't finding. There are trampolines which you can bounce on. There's some, you know, there seems some innovations in there, but it just really is another Jet Set Willy type thing. We're two years on from Jet Set Willy, aren't we, at this point? Mm-hmm. These games are just not for me. I don't get on with them. People may love them. Obviously, Zap liked it. They, they you know, they, they were quite enamoured with it and some of the things that it was doing. But to me, I just felt my time spent with it was just time I would just would have rather been doing something else. It, it's just not for me. I'm can't. i can't, I'm fed up with these games. I'm just really, really fed up. And, and and maybe that's the problem with me. Maybe there is more to this. But even if I'd have been playing it at the time, and I do remember playing it this time, I didn't play it much. Because I played Jet Set Willy and I played them
0: others. What did you think? Did you get on with it? Did you enjoy it? It was colourful and graphics were quite colourful. And it's just another one of them. We've so you know we've said so many times we could record it. It's just another mm-hmm. one of them. It's an arcade puzzler slash well more of a platformer really, but collect them up. I'm just fed. I'm just fed up with screens full of nonsense. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's just screen full of, of diff- sometimes difficult to avoid random stuff, and you have to jump jump over it, collect the dynamite, blow up the safe, get the plans, and then get back to your airship. Uh, did I enjoy it? No more than I enjoy playing any other game of this type. I don't dig them. I draw the line at things like Monty on the Run, which because of the music and the pace is kind of interesting. And But this one just, it's its graphically quite nice in its own way. It's got a it has got a nice look to it. But, you know, if the best you can say about a game is it's colourful, really. And I found the music was just on the cusp of being annoying. Okay, it was borderline. So, I don't know, we've played so many of these games. It's difficult now to really differentiate one from another, they kind of blur yeah. into one, uh-huh. and so what you're doing is you're trying to you're playing them, trying to think. Well, what's the thing about this one that's marginally better than the other ones? And the truth is, this this is if you like these kind of games where we have to wander around a location, finding objects that are obfuscated by difficult to avoid random items of furniture or God knows what else, and you know, whatever they may be, you'll probably find something to do in this, and it might keep you occupied for a while. But there are three quid equivalents, finders keepers, and stuff like that. Or two pound, whatever that was. That you know, it's the same kind of game, same kind of logic. Just running around collecting mm-hmm. things. Go and get a cheaper one. Work your way up to this. If that's your bag, then it's not mine. So I played it for a bit, wandered around a bit. Thought, Do you know what? I'm going to go and play something else. So yeah, I did.
1: yeah. That's that's what I felt. It was just it was just I couldn't I couldn't I, I, like I said, I'm just fed up of screens of gibberish. Yeah, and I think it's this the you know it's the visual equivalent of you know of, of just reading. Is not this wacky? Isn't this funny? It is. is it all these ideas and it's like it's like okay, there's there's two cannons moving left right. Why? Yeah. There's no sense to any of this. And it's like I get it, the video game, so you can kind of do what you want,
0: but yeah, Ugh. Well the thing is if you, if you think about a game like Mario, right? Mario World, that could be a game that's just full of random stuff to avoid, but each thing in there has a purpose. Yes. And each thing in there has a reason to be, and has a little bit of life of its own where required. And that's how to do it. If you just uh-huh. fill a, end, a game full of endless, annoying, difficult objects that have no meaning or purpose in that world, you just, it's just, you may as well, it's just arbitrary. It just makes the game yeah. feel arbitrary. Just you know the reason Mario games work, even though some of those are, they're not collect ups, but they're, the reason they work in the way that they do is because everything in that world is part of that world in one way or another and has a bit of the world and has something to do with it. Everything. And let's not forget we are four months down the line from Super Mario Brothers now. Yeah, exactly. So this is just, they have an idea of that these flick screen collectors, these collector mark, arcade puzzlers, whatever you want to call them, these jet set willies, the, all these games, there's a market for them. Everyone likes them. The truth of the matter was not everybody did. So thankfully there's other games out this, you know, in this issue that are way better to go and play because mm. there's a risk at a certain time when almost every game was one of these. I mean, we've reviewed at least two or three of these every single episode. And there's none of them offer yeah. anything, none of them with very real exceptions offer anything really that new to the collect them up genre. There's every now and again, you'll get one with better music or the graphics are slightly better, but the idea and the principle of the game never really changes. And you either like that or you don't. But it seems to me that there must be more to do with with this kind of thing. But you know, it is what it is, right? So you either <laughs> yeah. like it or you don't. It's dynamite. dance, just another one of those. The most. It could be anything. It's just a, a premise that's attached to a game style now. Yeah, it could be Flappy Fred. Or it could or... be. No, it doesn't matter. The story and the things they put on it. It's just no. It could just have a generic. You play generic character who has to enter generic location to collect <laughs> to collect generic things to save you save the day from generic baddie. And on the Uh way, you will encounter generic things that will block you and kill you because of the generic nature of this game. We can say no more. Enjoy the generic cover, jumpy Jack. Yeah, jumpy Jack. um, No, no, Bobby Biscuits.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised. I'm surprised. Do you know what? Do you know what? It actually made me realise is that I'm amazed we got a motorbike game out of Clumsy Colin.
0: Yes, actually, yeah. But weren't you wandering around on a motorbike collecting things, even if it was ice? Yeah, but at least
1: it. Yeah, you know, but I'm thinking it's at least it wasn't a platform. Uh, you know, 2D platformer. Yeah. Clumsy
0: Colin is already alliterate, alliterated, you know, Yeah, it seems true. What we call Ernest Eric. And dynamite Dan implies that the character is about dynamite. Is he has something to do with dynamite? Is a not that you have to go and collect dynamite. That's not Dynamite Dan. Because he's collecting dynamite. He doesn't have it on him. So he's not, the, That's he's true. not you know, it shouldn't be. It should be absence of dynamite, Dan. I'm not explodey, Dan. I don't I got any explosives <laughs> on me Oh, I've got to collect in <laughs> another to get this through his game. I'm just, you know, plain old Dan. Yeah, yeah. Now, which would not be a major selling point of the game if they just called it plain old Dan. He's, he's actually nothing.
1: <laughs> Dan.
0: <laughs> yeah, Dan, the game. What do you have to do? Call it dynamite. Why don't you call it dynamite Dan? Because he doesn't have it yet. And we're sticking to the rules of game names. <laughs> so we call it we're calling Just Dan it Dan, Collect- Dan collects dynamite. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And this is Brian, what's the why isn't it Brian Budax? He doesn't have the Budax yet. He doesn't get that he till three days in. So Sorry. At what point is that minor manic? Well, yes, you know why is he manic miner? I don't. Isn't he a miner? Why is he a miner? Is it in a mine? Do, do mines feature armchairs and? Well, this is what I'm saying. This is what I mean. I'm fed up of gibberish. I'm fed up, up just, of screen yeah. gibberish. Well, Monty Python seems to be a little bit of. There seems to. I don't, they don't have that, but it is a bit of a golden thread. I'm not saying Monty Python specifically, but the idea of the absurd that Monty Python presented in that kind of that absurdity yeah. is the golden thread with all of these stupid games.
1: And and it's like I understand. Obviously, it's eight bit, and you can only do so much with the sprites, and so you know mechanics. Them, but think of other ways. Think of other ways. Mm. They could be pillars that are moving up and down on chains. Mm.
0: You know, God damn it I want some realism. Crabs. <laughs> there are crabs. not enough crabs more crabs in games please yeah but crabs moving back and forth won't kill me hey you you have not met the kind of crabs that are out there these just a dangerous world with the crabs that's true actually Well, we, we made a crab game Because
1: that's true especially those ones with massive claws one one massive claw the crab looks on the side of bins yes bin crabs. Fiddler, fiddler crabs yes <laughs> oh not not
0: bin crabs
1: <laughs> no bin crabs no not bin crabs,
0: <laughs> no, not, not bin crabs.
1: <laughs> crabby bins
0: no, no, God! Our crabby bins. Isn't he? He was a character in the film that we saw. Isn't he Rocky? I
1: think he was.
0: Crabby <laughs> bins. The next boxer you'll be fighting, Rocky, is Crabby bins.
1: He's a, he's a bit chlorie. I don't want to fight Crabby bins, Mickey. He's a chlorie. He's a pincher. He's a real pincher. <laughs> he's a pincher. You better watch his left
0: hook. He's got a claw. <laughs> I'd finding no lobster so Mickey he
1: likes to go round you sideways <laughs> he's
0: not a lobster you damn fool that's my impression Paulie. I can't do very what good Paulie. what was that that was Paulie, but he kind of merged into the <laughs> boss gangster from from um, casino for Crack. some reason good
1: lord oh, uh, look what Dynamite Dan has done to us yes, no more exactly. gibberish
0: in these bloody games Dynamite don't as I think is there. well it's 80% though what was that thinking of I don't know
1: I know Dynamite don't indeed yes right let's move on uh, to our next game oh god Which is Willow (sighs) Pattern.
0: Graham, tell us all about the wonders of Willow Pattern. Do you know, this goes down for me as the stupidest game idea of all time. A game based (laughs) on kitchenware. Crockery. It is. That's exactly what it is. It's a game based on crockery. Not on not, crockery. Not on crockery. It is. So game-based, it is. So it's it's the, the entire game is based around the willow pattern that was the pattern designed used on kitchenware in the 18th century. And mm-hmm. it's it's meant to be this kind of fairy tale type story. And it depends now. Nobody ever really, there's a, there's an entire story that, the you know, the, the pattern on the plate is a depiction of a quote-unquote ancient story about, I think it's somebody called Chang. He was in love with somebody called Kung Shi and... Without going into all sorts of things, two people are in love, stuff happens and there's problems. And, you know, it's just go and buy a plate. They're about 25p off any car boot sale. (laughs) And just, you know, look at the image on it. You'll see at the top, there's two people, one with with looks like a yo-yo and the bottom right, there's two doves. Because at some point they get changed into doves and fly forever ever after. Long story. I will actually, the, the story for it, there is the official story for that and I will put this official story on the website to save me having to go through it, because I don't really want to have to talk about this game any much longer than I really need to. The game itself is a side-scrolling maze game based on the willow pattern of a plate. So, uh, and the graphics are also based off the kind of look and feel. So it's blue and white, porcelain-looking graphics. Side-on, you know, you control Chang, and you've got to enter the palace and find the key, I think, to rescue the princess and there's stuff getting in your way and you've got a limited number of swords and da 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 da. you get the idea so cut to the chase is it any good no no because it's based on a plate so no it's not good not on crockery. And, and i can only imagine i can only imagine that the i can i mean the game this is the i reckon the game, same game designer who got a packet of crisps they were like did you are you the guy that made that game based on a packet of crisps?" he's like uh yeah why do you reckon uh, you could make a game out of that? And would be like, what? This plate. I want you to make a game based on this plate. And it would be like, what do, you, what do you mean? You know, look at the pattern and the plate tells a story. What story? Well, it's a story of Chang and Kung Shi. You mean you don't know that story? No, because nobody really knows it. Well, it's the willow pattern. Just make it up, you know, just have an arcade game where people are trying to get away from doves or, I don't know, yin-yang, yo-yos. Just make it look kind of blue and white and porcelain-y. It's based on a plate, for God's sake. So... <laughs> This wins my award already in, to, in 1986 for the stupidest game idea ever. You know, this, is, this is the best, worst, but worst of the best yet. Now, I thought, you know, based on a crisp packet was a stupid idea, but this takes it to a whole new level. This is based off a pattern, off a plate. What, where do you go after that? Where, where do you go after that? no wallpaper I don't know know. (laughs) know. where do you go (laughs) no this is a famous wallpaper pattern can you make a game out of that (laughs) ah yes I can do that yes and then there'll be the paintings that we all had up in our youth you know that one of the little crying boys stood crying and the holding the teddy bear that famous there'll there'll be Uh a game it'll be based this poor guy who gets to make these games based on the stupidest stuff known to man uh is going to be like well you know, i suppose i've managed to make a game from a plate and a a crisp packet i feel reasonably adept at making you know i can do other stuff anyway i wax lyrical about something that is absolutely not worth it so it's 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 the worst game i've ever seen because it's based off a plate pattern which is only really it tops the crisp packet it's really weird it just hurt my eyes and i suppose if you go with if you like games that are based on plates this is the gate. if you like willow pattern and you're a collector this is the final straw this is you can actually live the dream and play your pattern figure it out i didn't you like can, that you can be so, kang or whatever his name is do you know and i think we did have willow pattern plates when i was a kid so and at no everyone, point everyone, in the whole of my did. life have i ever looked at a plate pattern and god that would make an amazing game so That's um, you
1: don't know the true story of the love love story behind those plates
0: well, I've, I mean, I've I've read the full story of of um, Kung Si and Chang and the difficulty about the the daughter to the, the wedding to the duke and the unrequited love and all of that and the revenge story and it's very elaborate. But by the time I thought, got to at least halfway through that story, I'd finished my dinner, so that was it. It was off to and that was <laughs> okay, it. So I never what? really, you know, I ate quite quickly, so I never really got to the end of the story. So who knows what happens at the end of that? So anyway, there you go. What well, did you did you like it? <laughs> <laughs> no. No. What's to like? It's a game based uh, on a no. plate. Uh,
1: uh, I'll, I'll, I'll lied all the plate-based crockery <laughs> nonsense. Not on crockery. Not on crockery. <laughs> what should you never base your plate game on? Not on crockery. Not on crockery. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you shouldn't do. So this is—it's similar. It's—you it's, know—we've said it before. This is saber wolfy. Uh, it's a bit similar to Robin of the Wood in a, in a, you know in, in how it plays in, in how it plays in the fact of you, you you run up and down and you move you know you can move up and down in the screen and move left and right flick screen that doesn't describe many games I know it does <laughs> but it's similar when I was playing it I put it similar to Robin of but not, and that was good basic design you Just a bit. you can only get past enemies with a sword these mm-hmm. are limited pickups if you die they go and they did not respawn, meaning you cannot continue because nope. the swords are now gone, and you can't get past the enemy, who instantly kills you upon sight. So nope. that's bad. The visuals are a garish mixture of styles, and why is crushing a bridge so hard? Mm. The bridge bits, I was... I, I, I do not know what... It, suddenly it turns changes into this, viewpoint, doesn't it? It turns into this weird kind of, like, dreamlike Chinese weirdness. Where you, you, there's these three giants reaching down off a bridge and you have to sort of jump
0: when they're not reaching down it's so bizarre the blurb description for this that i found was willow pattern is a flick screen maze game which is viewed from the side looking from above and that state sentence hurt my brain instantly <laughs> <What>? <laughs> <laughs> it's a site viewed from the side looking from above i was like uh, <laughs> uh, but that's how you look at a plate so that makes sense what from the side, from above? Well, yeah, because exactly. I can't look. I can't look at anything like well, that. Well, <laughs> if you put a plate down on the table and look down, you're looking at the you're looking at it from above, but you're looking at uh, one side of it. Okay. Because if you looked at the, there's an edge of a plate and there's a, a side of a plate. The side of a plate is the side with the pattern on it. The edge of a plate yeah, is but the rim. Yeah, that,
1: pe- that means that people are just laying on the floor In and you're, the you're looking world down. Where down where you make them. games
0: from plates. That's perfectly normal. <laughs> I don't
1: know. Uh I put it's a strange game. There's some interesting ideas. But nothing works. <laughs> nothing works as no. it could do. And it's strange, just strange that. I just don't know. And I don't know how it got sixty percent. I don't know.
0: Maybe they like the like the pattern.
1: Maybe maybe they were big, you know, crockery fans. They must have I been. I don't know. Willow Pattern was, was only four quid, I guess.
0: Only four quid. Do you know how many plate? do many Willow Pattern plates you could buy for that? Hundreds. Well, I don't know back then. <laughs> they were a bit pricey back then. <laughs> They've never been pricey. <laughs>
1: I don't know. I'm not into crockery. All oh, my crockery so is plain you white. Want to, you
0: can go right now to B&M and you can get the entire plates, dinner service and everything else for £2.50. And that's 700 plates, 14 million side plates. <laughs> All seen from the side. Side see, on. Yeah, you're well, that's the how you buy them. They only accept willow, willow pattern currency. <laughs> which,
1: <laughs> which you can only see from one angle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, a, it's an angle that human eyes can't envisage.
0: Exactly. Strange. Jesus.
1: all right so, so did you like that <laughs>
0: <laughs> no 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 stupid we
1: don't like we don't like willow patterns stupid based game
0: stupid game plate based games are not our forte no do not make games based on dinner plate patterns no let's move on <laughs> let's leave let's leave Willow Patton in the dining room (laughs) not on crockery
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's that's the best way of describing it (laughs) how should you never make games not on crockery (laughs) let's move on to our next game second to last game this game has does it have a reputation because it's got a really really good bit of music and it's stupidly hard very Then, yeah, I think that's correct. We are indeed talking about our second mad game, Mastertronic's Added Dimension, which is basically them trying to charge you an extra quid. This is the, the last V8, uh, and you must return to base immediately. <laughs> so the last V8, what's the last V8? It's a top-down, it's not side-on, it's a top-down uh, <laughs> car game where you have to control a car down a series of narrow roads and get it back to a base. Though the reason for all, all this... Car-based, and the reason it's the last BH shenanigans is this is set a few years after a nuclear war has killed everyone, and you take your souped-up car for a ride. Being one of the scientists who was down in a bunker at the time, bomb went off, and you managed to stay safe and work on your car for a few years. Um, it's nice that the radiation has died down after only seven years. Mm. I'm not sure that would happen, but hey ho. No, seven hundred maybe. Yeah, so you can go up. So you take your car up for a bit of a joyride only for it to be cut short by a random nuclear bomb that is about to go off. Oh, the look. Doesn't that always look. happen? Yeah. So that's something. So you control your V8 car uh, along narrow windy, windy roads to get back to the base. And then if you manage to get back to the base, you're then into the second stage where you travel around irradiate through an irradiated city to get back to Cy base. Okay. Visually, it's quite nice. Pretty, it moves it... Fair click. It does do it does that trick where three quarters of the screen is taken up with a with a still image, which is a bit you know thing. And the only bit that scrolls is the top third. So in this top third, you have a top down view. It's very small car uh, and roads and you know bushes and everything like that. It's a nice bit. It re- weirdly, doesn't look irradiated at all. It certainly doesn't no. look like the after seven years after the aftermath of a nuclear war. Looks very green and pleasant.
0: Green and pleasant land, yeah.
1: And 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 somewhere that you'd actually quite like to live. And and as we've said, there is a thumpingly good Rob Hubbard soundtrack. This is a really, really good bit of music in this. One of one of my favourites of his, you know, shame you didn't get to hear much of it. The problem is that's it. You travel down this road. The lack of depth here is counterbalanced by an insane level of difficulty. Yes. It is stupidly hard by that it's just made ridiculous by its ridiculous controls. So because you're top down, the controls they have decided upon is the direction you push the joystick in is the direction the car goes in. The more you hold it that way, the faster you go. You have to go really fast through these narrow roads because you have such short amount of time that you can't, you can't, it's just, I, 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 I do remember completing it when I was much younger. So I think I did, we did buy this. And obviously, when you buy something, you're going to stick it out And when I played it now. It's ridiculous. It's just so twitchy. So to you start off and you, you, you go to the left. So you have to fire to the left. So you're holding the left on the thing to speed up. You, a bit of a turn. There's a bit of a turn. And then there's a sharp turn. So you've got to pull hard to the right to slow yourself down. And then you've got to push up to, to turn the car up. It's just, but then the more you push up, the faster you go, because now you're pushing up too much, and so you speed up again. There's no sense to this. It's a stupid control system that would have just been easier if you just held the fire button down to go fast, and just used left and right to turn left and right. You yeah. know, like like a like any car game. Yeah. It's a ridiculous, stupid thing. Add to that the fact that this car is so fragile that any brush against a bush or a bit of shrubbery or anything renders it into a burning mass of flames and instantly instant death where you then have to sit through an explosion and a bit of music and then a load back to the beginning and then hear that bloody speech again before you can get going again oh christ on (laughs) a bike it's it does a does a game here that with a, a more forgiving control system but I actually, I watched a, a playthrough of this because I was like, I saw this. I watched a playthrough on YouTube because I, I could, yeah, I, I tried and I tried and I tried and I, and I couldn't get there. So I thought, I'll see what they're in there. And the, the, the playthrough on YouTube is about six minutes long, six or seven minutes long. <laughs> and half of that is them sat there listening to the Hubbard soundtrack. <laughs> there's no game here no there's literally no game the, the second half going through the city you just it's like a maze and there's no real way to know where you got to go it's trial and error and there's you know you're just going to get blown up and there's so little game here that for 2.99 even for 2.99 you know and this was made by david darling who you know who said we'll go on to much better things obviously but as, as a program exercise it's good but as a control game no this is i i was looking forward to going back to this because i thought is it you know i know it's got a bit of a reputation to be really hard and people are a bit down on it but they're, they're down on it for a good good reason this is not a good game it's
0: it's a bad thing i mm. don't know did, what did you think same absolutely the same it was uh graphics were kind of nicely drawn such as they were obviously the audio soundtrack is it's saving grace but it can't save this uh this game um it's no. just impossible it's just impossible there's no fun games that are impossible are no fun it surprised me. I mean, the darling's gone to do much better games They do, and there was a, I never did play the one to eight. There's the a Commodore one to eight version of this specifically, and I don't know what secrets that holds, but you know, just make the roads a bit bigger and make the car a bit. If they'd have done that, made the road a bit bigger, made it a bit more forgiving, and made the car a little bit more controllable, they'd have had a great game here because the pace of the music and the car driving around and and it owes a little bit to Mad Max. You know, the last V eight, that idea of the V eight interceptor, that Mad Max's car is the last V eight interceptor. Um, mm-hmm. So it's got a Mad Maxi borrowing there from a bit of that. And of course the kind of do, you know, the, the apocalyptic sort of setting and all that. That's the only bit though I could, I, I mean, I think I maybe got past the first two bends and then I just kept blown up. And I, I tire of games that kill me over and over and over and over again. The Hubbard soundtrack's the only thing in it that's worth, worth the time and effort for that. So it's a shame really a little bit more thought and a little bit more respect for your players might very well have yielded yielded a much better game, but they didn't do that for this time. They do do it later, but this time they got, I wonder what prompted them to release it. It feels a little bit too hard, which makes me wonder if there's even an ending to that game if it just rolls on and on. I so, know, oh, yeah, there, there,
1: there is an ending. You can see it on YouTube. You can watch it, I think. And Like I said, like I said, I,
0: I did. I, I, I do remember Like I put a lot of time and effort in as a kid and I did complete it. You probably get some naff speech at the end. You have yeah, successfully.
1: I think that's what happened. Yeah, so, well done. You've no, made
0: it back to not put. You know, It's all very technical and clever, albeit that it sounds a bit husky, that speech, and a bit <laughs> you know, phlegmy. Um, it's all clever stuff. So it's unnecessary in this game. Well, focus you know. on making the game good. Don't focus on making the audio clever. Clever tricks aside, and they were the poster boys for game design at one point, the Darlings, weren't they? And famously, you know, there was all the articles about them going from bedroom to billions. That was the the, the, you know, the premise mm-hmm. of their... And, and, and to be fair, they did go on to do amazing stuff and you know, still are, I think, in one way or another maybe less so now but I don't know what they. but they started with humble beginnings and games like this could have been much better than they were so it's a shame really because I like you I had for some reason it had reputation of being hard but quite good and in actuality it's just plain old hard so and unplayable really good music though yeah great music
1: there we go the last V8 Let's move on to our final game for this month. And that game is a version. This is a strange one, this one. Uh, a version of Scalextric. So um, I'm not sure there's that, that much to say about
0: this, really. No, not really. It's a you know, play a racing simulation based on a toy. It's Pit Stop 2, really. It's, there's a lot of Pit Stop 2 in here. And, and you can't help but draw comparisons because they kind of look the same. This things that Pit yeah. Stop 2 does better Pitstop Stop 2 is a better game, mm-hmm. um, but there are things that Scale Electric does that Pit Stop 2 doesn't do. So Pit Stop has pit stops and the whole idea of it being tactical around the tyres and, you know, that kind of thing, it has that. This doesn't have that. This is strictly a race to the finish, one-to-one fastest car wins, a bit like Scale Electric is, really. And, yes. of course, it does have that course designer, so you can design your own courses with the track, a la Scale Electric. So graphically, it's, it for me, it looked very similar to Pit Stop 2, very similar. There was It was mm. very, it's almost the same thing, really. There's um, no animation when you go around corners, though, is there no, anything? No, it's, 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 not just, that bit, it's, it's ca- just Cars are a bit flat. Is it a bad game? No. Is it as playable as Pit Stop 2? No. But it does have that course designer, which could be fun if you want to just have a bit of a blast around your own course, so... I think there's a space for it. And Scale Electric is a big license. It was huge in the 80s, Scale Electric. Massive. Mm. It's a big license. So it's just a racer on racer. I think Zap really got the rating on this one about right, about 78%, maybe 70. It has a place in the sort of racing games. It's better than Pole Position, and all that kind of, you know, those horrible blocky monstrosities, it's better than those. And of course, it's better than that Talladega thing. Mm-hmm. So is it as good as Pit Stop 2? No. Is it a good also run? You know, if you was into racing games, you'd have both of these on the shelf, I think, is the best way to put it. Um, for different reasons. They're both good, but they play differently. I prefer Pit Stop 2 because I like pit stopping and I like, you know, the idea of the tyres and all of that. I like that about Pit Stop. They're my favourite bits about it. It's a mm-hmm. tactical game. It just is isn't just race to the finish. And it can't be really real scale electric unless you're forever flinging your car off the corner every two seconds. Well, that's what I've put. Yeah. So you know, put that's, that. the scale, that's the true test of a scale electric. Is so as soon as you press the trigger, that car's flying off and it breaks or <laughs> shoots off the bend. No, even if you put the little plastic guards around, because, you know, the power to electric ratio, it's like playing with Teslas, isn't it? You know, they go from 0 <laughs> yeah. to 60 in 0.0003 of <laughs> a second, it would seem. And before you even realize it, you know, the scale electric car is turboed off the track halfway across the room and hit the wall and then there's the panic about oh no the little silver hairy thing underneath that sticks onto the little track come off and you're like, oh I can't play it now. The tar brushes. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. You know, actually if you like scale electric, go and play scale electric for real. You know, get go scale yeah. don't play this. Just play pit stop. Sorry, pit, story, I pit put, stop too not pit stop. Man.
1: Yeah. I mean you're right you're right. It is very, very pit stop to It look it looks very like and I that it's it's solid. I mean, technically it's very good. I did like, you know, I did build my own track. I gave yeah, it a the track go. Build is so, good. so I built an I built a track and I had a race of it. I like the uh chicane so you can have these sort of single lane sections, which is a bit different, mm. you know, which you get on, you know, scale electric. being able to save and load them is nice. My problem was with it is just it's it's sparse because it's scale electric, there's no other cars on the track. Yep. So just on that's, it's just it's just one on one, which you know, and I get that it's because it's it's scale extra, but it just means it's it's, it's slightly lifeless. Yeah. Once you you're in different parts of the track, it's very hard to it's very hard to fail going around a corner. You just slow down slightly, and you, you can usually make it around a corner. So it's very hard to actually catch anyone up or or lose anyone. You just you just don't. So and the,
0: and the truth of it, really, if they were going to make it like a scale scalextric game, you would just have a fire button that that speeded you up and slowed you down. That would be it. You wouldn't have controls because you don't control. Your direction in scale electric, the track has got. Yeah track and you go around that you're the, the skill in that game is controlling the the, the, what, the, speed. the, the speed of the yeah. vehicle going around the bend. so maybe they could have should, perhaps should have thought about that when they did it but would have been very exciting was it just to press one button
1: well yeah but I put it's, it's nice visuals though and it's you know effective split screen the split screen is nice mm. it's a, you know it's good effect so programmed it well and there's a lot you know a lot to it I like you know putting your names in and stuff and yeah and also as also as well one thing it does have over pit stop it's got a lot of not just not just build your own tracks but it's got about 17 is it about it's got quite a few Inbuilt, you know, real racing track, yeah, yeah, they're quite good because pit stop two has only got six, whereas this has, a, this has 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, so it's got yeah. somewhere in the late teens. So that, you know, that's quite nice. There's a bit more variety in the tracks, it's just racing around and becomes very dull very quickly. Mm-hmm. And I put maybe, you know, it needed something more to it. And, I, and like you, I thought maybe if you go flying off the course, if you went too fast at corners or something to yeah. replicate scale electric because that's that's my memory of scale electric. you've got a you know, your, your sensitivity on that trigger from going a, a, an acceptable speed to pinging off the track was about a millimeter on that trigger. Yeah. Go past that millimeter and you're, you're going off the track, isn't yeah. it? So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a decent enough racing game. And like you said, yeah, it's, Better than pretty much everything else we've played Bar Pit Stop Two. Yeah. But it's just a bit lifeless, which is a bit bit of a shame, really. Some more cars on the track. If you're gonna if you're to make it feel like a, you know, a Grand Prix with real world tracks and you're gonna go down that route, it needs
0: more other cars. cars. Yeah. It needs it other cars. Well, can you imagine how boring Formula One would be if it was just two cars? Oh God, it's boring enough as it is. Well, that's what I mean. It's you know, it's and that's because it's become so robotronically safe and the drivers are so they're almost like automatons that they just sit there with you know um, no disrespect to Lewis Hamilton but he is just a driving robot that they place (laughs) into that car which is (laughs) moulded and fitted to him he plugs in his USB port in the back of his neck and just you know connects to his car and then him and like Kit and um, Michael Knight they're just you know just they're off in a they're off together, you know. And that's, that's, what, that's what it's like. So you know, there's no, there's a reason why you can't beat drivers like that in these. Because why is world champion is because that's you know, he's he's just he's a robot, and the car <laughs> is a robot, and they are you know, a, they're uh, they're in a, a conjoined mind. And so to have just two of those in Formula One would be dull, and that's kind of what this game suffers from. It's just it's just dull. If you if you if you get ahead of that other person, there's very little opportunity to re sort of overtake them. So you're just behind them, forever. Yeah. So you need that flying off the corners, and you need some, you know, possibly a bit of science fiction, maybe a giant squid.
1: For <laughs> all our reviews, where the game's a bit boring, end with
0: giant squid. Possibly a giant, it giant it more, squid.
1: It would have made it more interesting though. Yes. It, yeah.
0: Giant squid makes everything more interesting. Yeah, exactly. Apart from a Pirates of the Caribbean film. So if you like Scale my advice would be go and buy yourself an eBay Scale Electric. Set it up, play it, get frustrated at the cars flying off the corners like everyone does and then put it back in its box and put it in the loft, and it'll be there for the next 10 years. <laughs> well, before you sell it on eBay to the next unsuspecting
1: exactly. buyer. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, there we go. But be prepared, by the way,
0: to spend at least at least 20 to 30 minutes pressing the little triggers and it, the car going, and stopping and going forward about an inch and stopping. What's wrong with it? And then suddenly it goes, zush and shoot off. Because that's, you know, that's the rules of Scale Electric. You can't just put it in play and go. It has to have lots of electromechanical faults before you get really going. So, just as a heads if, up, have if
1: we if we, t- if we touched on a scale
0: electric nerve here? Do you know? I never owned one. I never owned a scale you know We had loads. No. We had a big box no. full of it. no I think we had a one of my cousins, distant cousins. I remember him having an enormous setup, multi-layered, and in his, you know, it took over the dining room at their house and it had headlights on the cars. I remember that. So when it went under the tunnel thing, you could see the headlights. It was <laughs> all very exciting, and but it prompted conversations with. The, I think either my brother or somebody at the time to say, just put your head near the track and watch the cars zoom towards you and it's fatal to do that when you've got brothers. <laughs> we, so. Well, we used to do that because we had uh,
1: TCR. TCR, you know the TCR, TCR. The Total Control Co- Racing, Co- yeah. Total
0: Control r- Racing where you could switch lanes. Yes. Yeah, you see, that's, again great great they're great things to play they're great toys
1: tci was a bit was it tci was a bit better for the controls as well it wasn't quite as
0: twitchy as scale electric my main beef with scale electric at the time wasn't the actual playing of scale electric which was fun it was just so damn expensive even a basic scale electric kit which was just kind of a small loop really was Mm. you know at the time a lot of money and you know you need somebody to really to play scale electric with is there anything more depressing apart from playing a game based on a plate is there anything more depressing than just scale electric, <laughs> one man scale electric? trick it's, it's just you know it's just not very exciting is it I mean you can play both parts if you like but you know you, just you, don't, have much,
1: you don't have as much control in one hand you are right handed or left handed unless you're ambidextrous and then you so one's going to be really crappily controlled while well, the other one's quite well, well that's controlled it, but
0: you know you uh, and you've got to the split thrill brain of beating yourself well. I was going to say the thrill of beating yourself sounds awful the thrill of winning <laughs> a race against yourself it's going to wear off pretty quick out of thought True. You know, it's like, I yeah. win uh, left hand wins right hand wins no think, you have to think in Russian for that <laughs> shit. every would miss on hot <damn. laughs> Anyway, enough of that.
1: That's our games. What have we looked at? So in this episode, we have looked at Ballblazer, Underworld, Imotep, Thunderbirds, Dynamite Dan, Willow Pattern, The Last V Eight. <laughs> yeah, never base a game on crockery. Last V Eight and scale extra. <laughs> uh, and electric I'm going to, from personal point of view, there's only one I want to put in. Which is? I Ballblazer. Yeah, it's the only
0: one out of that lot. It's the only one I can re- recommend anyone play from those eight. I didn't actually, I think I liked any of the others really that much. So yeah, Ballblazer, go and play yeah. that. I did, I quite did quite mind unique.
1: Thunderbirds, but I can't recommend it. But yes, no. Ballblazer. Um, yep. And I would suggest, God, there's a few in there. Immotep, Willow Pattern, no. Last V8. Don't ever play them. Just put
0: them in the vault. Just listen to Last V8. Listen to Last V8 because yeah, listen to that. Eat your dinner off a willow pattern plate. Don't play <laughs> the game. Um, it, you'll get more value from that.
1: Um, and buy some. Buy some scale electric. There you go. There you go. That's a, that's our a recommendations. So let's move on. Games we didn't look at. Nothing. We looked at every, yeah, game, in this looked episode, at every game in this episode. We looked at every game. This is all there was. So apart from adventure games and strategy games, which we're not looking at and not our remit, we looked at every single single thing that Zap reviewed. So there we go. So let's look at our crapverts. We've got three more crapverts. Uh, our first one is Sir Fred. <laughs> God, what's that? (laughs) I don't know. It's a severe attack of chivalry on a moonlit night. You see they're going Uh, for that stupid, stupid humour again. Yeah. (sighs) So... Sir Fred, what I mean, it's got a nose as big as his belly.
0: Yeah, is it, um, is it a, a kind of a what's the film with the guy with the big nose? Cyrano de Bergerac, is it quite possibly? It's some maybe it's I don't know if it's something around that. It's on the old 48k spectrum, there, are they? I know, because it's obviously the for 995 is expensive on a spectrum, just do you know. Don't go hog wild with display fonts, especially <laughs> ye old display fonts, because it's just... It renders you powerless, dear boy. Well, just don't do it, you know. And they're clearly that pound sign, because they didn't have a pound sign in that font, they've just drawn one that kind of looks like it. So it's a really crap oh, it's ye terrible, olde pound it? sign. It's just been, oh, we, there's no pound sign on this, this typeface. Oh, just make one, just create... No, it's just crap. So, and i got a strange feeling, I could be wrong, but I'm wondering if that's the different typeface to the one that's used at the top as well might be no it's the same s on spectrum so know it's the same well so a unified typeface is good poor choice mm-hmm. of typeface though and that game tells you nothing does it and that who is that meant to be i don't you know, know. This, i don't know but that nose is enormous it's terrifying <laughs> bigger than his head he's, he's just one big nose if he sneezed it'd be terrifying and and very very gruesome very yeah. gruesome
1: it's it's a it's and that, ca- uh, that that castle in the background is crap.
0: And I think, and I'm going to put myself out on a bit of a limb here, that they have taken either a, I'm not going to say which one, but I have I, I, a feeling that the, the stance of that character, at least the way the legs are, the way it stood, the way the pose is, I have a feeling that's been kind of weirdly traced over from a Looney Tunes. Because that, that stance looks to me like Marvin the Martian, Daffy Duck, and that's kind of, that's kind of how they stand in some of the, it's, there's a, I'm because I'm, obviously I'm a, I'm a huge fan of all those kind of cartoons, uh, and especially, especially, all of the Warner Brothers, Bugs Bunny, all of those kind of things. Bugs Bunny, Daffy, all of those. All of those uh, Looney Tunes and all of the Tom and Jerry, mm-hmm. all of that era of cartoons. I love them. And I mean, really love them with a passion, especially some of the amazing stuff they did with Mel Blanc's voice and all that amazing stuff. And so I have a very strong affinity for the art style. I've got books on it. And I have to tell you that that is borrowed. There's, that's That pose and that stance is borrowed. So my feeling is that um, it's either deliberately done that way to make it look a bit Looney toony. weird though, because it's kind of, it, it reminds me of that, it was that guy that laughs all the time. That is a ex-footballer. He was on Gladiators, I think, or what, that Ninja <laughs> program. I can't remember his name now, but he's always, you, you can't miss him. He's a ex-footballer, pundit guy. He's always laughing, great big teeth funny guy but i can't think of his anyway game will come to me at some point but it reminds me of him. <laughs> it's not a great advert though is it no microgen though they did quite a few games on the old spectrum they're very popular um, no but it's, crap advert. it's a crapvert. yeah it's- crapvert, yes i bet that character's rubbish
1: let's move on wait wait till you see the next one
0: oh god that's me what is this what is that grumpy gumphrey
1: <laughs> take, <laughs> take a, a closer clo- look at Grumpy at-
0: gumphrey <laughs> Gunfrey, Gunfrey,
1: you'll be appalled at how incompetent he is and how badly he needs your help. I Gunfrey, Gunfrey,
0: be. super sleuth oh from dear. Gremlin Graphic. That's not necessarily a good thing, is it? Look at the artwork on that. This is in there. Why is there, like, in the back wall, a crack in the wall and some weird split flesh just poking its way through, like, a blob? <laughs> I don't know. It's, Why it's is like that Hellra- dodgy like guy Hellraiser. with the red tie going, illu in the door at the back and is in a lift, isn't he? Or is that a lift? I think it's meant to be... Why is there a magnifying glass over that creepy-looking guy's face? Yeah, why? Because surely he should be the one with the magnifying glasses, shouldn't he? Yeah, should be but, holding it over that coat with the eyes in because there's somebody hiding in there.
1: Yeah, it's some kind of weird... It's obviously some kind of, you know, he's got his row of medals, like he's some... Oh, it's like slightly Mr. Magoo... Yeah, well, it says, ageing, losing his sight
0: it? and panic-stricken with overwork. Can Grumpy Gumphrey, the geriatric store detective... Hold down his position. That doesn't seem like a very nice no. thing to make a game about, does it? A geriatric store detective, you know. Oh, let's uh, give him Alzheimer's for a real Hang laugh. a A kind assistant is needed to help round up the thieves,
1: cage the gorilla,
0: <laughs> and tidy the warehouse. I tell you what, that is a department store with problems.
1: Which bit sounds out of place there?
0: C- caging the gorilla. <laughs> what the hell? Why is that gorilla not in the advert anywhere?
1: there's also a, i don't know if you notice there's a second pair of eyes just under his uh belly yeah his elbow. Just, just
0: spotted that as well yeah what a weird game
1: i hate the uh i, I really dislike the 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 colors of the font because you can barely read them the grumpy gunfrey going around the magnifying glass take a closer look at you can't barely read that that white text on
0: uh you know a sort of pale yellowish background yeah it's awful and like you said he should be older the magnifying glass because it's He's not. He's the one who's taking a closer look. Not take a close look at him, because why would you do that in the context of this game? It's, uh, it's just stupid. Uh, yet another stupid advert. I bet that game's awful. Yeah. Yes. It looks it. It's going to
1: be terrible, isn't it? Yes. I've never. Absolutely. Heard, I've never heard of it.
0: No. No. And, so, and with good cause. And
1: with good cause. And if we're. And we've spoken before about like licensing issues. I'm, I'm wondering whether they license this next one. I've heard of this game, but the <laughs> advert. Di- <laughs> the advert beggars belief a little so that's uh, laurel stan laurel isn't it Robo it is laurel. stan laurel yeah so sueevo's Suiv- world um <laughs> I, th- I believe this was a sort of you know i seem to remember this is like a nightlaw type thing yeah I, I've, I've got a vague memory of it as well funniest cartoon adventure i hate fonts where they put it over colors similar colors and you can't learn, read them they? the funniest nope. cartoon adventure you'll ever take part in and it's really tricky to read that you'll ever take part in yeah but it's Why essentially it
0: it's, a, it's a it's an android stan laurel it is exactly an Android Stan Laurel, and the only saving grace on this otherwise awful advert is I quite like the typeface that they've done for Suivo's world. I quite like that. It's totally out of context for this stupid advert. This looks like a ladybird book, mis- missing the ladybird. If you put a, a ladybird <laughs> image yeah. like they get on, the, on that corner, it would look exactly like the front cover of a ladybird book. Mm-hmm. So, and maybe that's its appeal. Maybe that's what they were going for. But nobody, I mean, nobody's going to know that Stan Laurel who, who that appeals to. You know, you know, who's a famous. Obviously, Laurel and Hardy was famous back in uh, back way before anyone would visit. So, that, so it's it's a bit of a cop out. So nobody would know that it's probably a cheeky little. I'll make him look like a lot of Stan Laurel because the guy that drew it or the woman that drew it really liked him.
1: I think if you remember back to our childhood, sort of thing, Laurel and Hardy was still pretty big. I knew them. I mean, there were there were they were always on at there were always on at tea time. Yeah, now and there, was cartoon, left, there was a, a, a cartoon. There
0: was, a, there was a Laurel and Hardy cartoon, that awful yeah. American cartoon. So but maybe I just right, don't but know that's how, just... how you how you get away with just
1: why you'd think, well, we'll just make him look like Stan Laurel on the advert. You could use any yeah. face, anyone. It does, it's an advert.
0: Who's Suivo? Is Suivo Stan Laurel? I don't know. So we, could, so we can have that image of him scratching his head like Stan Laurel, even though he never did that face when he scratched his head, so.
1: No, it's not, not great, like, is Not it? that
0: exact face. I don't know.
1: I got the, All these three are just, you know, a big character that's crazily bad. I don't know. I don't yeah. understand them, these adverts. But anyway, there's our crap you can see them on the on the website, they'll be there for you to take a look at. We're gonna now what was going on in the big bad world of Commodore 64 games in the charts. So we've got charts from CMVG and Commodore User. So I think this is the CMVG top 10 in no in reverse order, Black Witch at number 10, Beachhead 2, karatika Baron Mcgriggan's. Sky Who Days Wins 2, Way the Exploding Fist, Summer Games 2. Frank Bruno's Boxing, and Spy vs. Spy 2. How is Spy vs.
0: Spy 2 a number one in that list? No idea. Don't Who know. Who just wins two, surely? Or Summer Games 2. Maybe that might have been there a while and got knocked down, I suppose. but I, I think they put, have been. I wouldn't put Spy vs. Spy 2. Elite are doing well in that chart by the look of it. But... Uh, elite,
1: yeah, yeah they
0: well, are. They're number two, aren't they? So,
1: Well, yeah, number two.
0: Yeah. AreolaSoft have got two with Skyfox and Karatika. Yeah, yeah, that's good. But they did sort of bombard release loads of games one after another, didn't they?
1: Yeah, in the Commodore user chart, though, their top 10 has Beachhead 2 at number 10, Frank Bruno's Boxing, at number 9, Fighting Warrior in at number 8, Action Biker, Kickstart, Wave Exploding for Summer Games 2, Who Days Winter 2, Monty on the Run, New in at number 2, and num, uh, New in at, straight at number 1 is Winter Games. It's pretty strange
0: how these... Um, Are they predictive charts that they put in there or something? I, you know what, I have no idea. They says at the bottom there in the little blurb, chart compiled for Commodore user... By Gallup microscope, the UK's number one games chart. So if that's a Gallup chart, that's the if that's an official chart. It must be the official one. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah.
1: So there you go. What we got to look at next month? Uh, sorry, next episode. I think Blade Runner is an adventure game. I'm not sure. We've got Bounder. We've got a couple of gold medals. Bounder and the Idol on. Big mm-hmm. issue. Big issue. Commando. So we've got wow, a okay. C4 conversion of Commando Desert Fox. I'm not sure if we'll. We don't know about Desert X Machina. I'm not sure if we'll look at that. Falklands 82 sounds like a strategy game. Fight Night finally makes an appearance Yay. after quite a few months of uh, hype.
0: I bet we wish it hadn't.
1: Friday the 13th, Gertie Goose. I'm not sure about Gertie Goose. Or Gyroscope, Masquerade, One Bite Too Deep. I'm not sure if that's an adventure.
0: adventure. Outlaws. Ra- oh, Rambo. Rambo. Classy. Revs. Oh, that's that. See, Formula One Simulator. it is. Space Pilot 2. Mm-hmm. That, that terrible, terrible that. advert.
1: It's a terrible oh God, advert, I one. The advert.
0: I just don't remember yeah. the game.
1: And also Starion. We mentioned the advert yeah, for that yeah, as well. Yeah. Wild West Hero, uh, Wishbringer. Not sure what that is. Worm in Paradise. Not sure if these are adventures. I Have a feeling they are. And mm. and uh, Zorro. Okay. So I thought Zorro was earlier than this because I was surprised we hadn't found Zorro yet. But another mm. Zorro is essentially early game,
0: late release.
1: It's a bru- well. It's I think it's I think I seem to remember Zorro. It's Bruce Lee. It's a it's Bruce Lee Zorro, isn't it? Yeah. I seem to remember Zoro, so I think we'll look at that. Those are our games we're we'll probably be looking at over the next couple of episodes. So there you go. That's this episode of Zaps to the Past. Thank you for listening to us. Where can you find us on the web? Loads of places.
0: Um
1: zap on to, the to the is the website. Go look there. That's where you'll find the crapverts and links to previous episodes, um, a list of games that we've covered. You can find us on Twitter at Zapped to the. You can find us on Facebook at Zapt to the Past for a page and a group. Come and join us. Come chat. Say hello if you want to. You can find us on Instagram at ZappedToThePast. to the Past. You can and you can email us at ZappedToThePast to the past at gmail.com. I think that's it, isn't it? I Think that's where we are? That's yes, that's, all. It. That's, yeah, that, that's it. That's us. That's it that's where we are so you know it's great if you want to come and say hello if you want to come messages tell us you know whether you agree with us about any of the games we've spoken about or or you don't agree with us or whatever it's up to you and let us know your memories of those games because we like to hear them but that's about it really i think for this episode uh we'll sign off um i've been adrian mills i have been graham willow Patton raddings (laughs) i have been not on crockery (laughs) <laughs> um, <laughs> and we have been zapped to the past thanks for listening and we'll see you next episode
0: tatty bye goodbye thank you for listening to the zap to the past podcast we hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Commodore 64 games as well as the music sights, sounds and news from around the 1980s driven of course by the issue of zap 64 magazine published at the time we will be back next week with another podcast so do please join us until then please head over to zaptothepast.com to sign up to our email list as well as check out all the links and resources in the show notes. You will also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram under Zap to the Past. The Zap to the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Gray Raddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers and while we indeed love Zap64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. Stay safe and see you next time.